When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. America was prospering and our country was on track for an amazing future because I made big promises to the American people and unlike other presidents, I kept my promises. I kept them. Something is wrong with their thinking under Biden and the radical Democrats. America has been mocked derided and brought to its knees, perhaps like never before. But we are here tonight to declare that it does not have to be this way. I will ensure that Joe Biden does not receive four more years in 2020. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, distinguished guests and my fellow citizens, America's comeback starts right now. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life, and I had to start again with just my children and my wife. I thank my lucky stars to be living here today, cause the flag still stands for freedom, and they can't take that away. My guy, uh, DJ T, last night on the stage in Mar-a-Lago, Palm Beach, Florida. And he was uh, great. And that's the end of the story. So I don't want to hear anything else. I don't care what Bo Deedle has to say. I don't care what Peter King has to say. All these backstabbing, unpatriotic Trump haters. And I hate saying that about some of my closest friends because they're all great people, but don't be jumping back on the bandwagon now. We don't want you. We don't want you. I mean, that was that was a heck of a speech last night, an announcement, whatever you want to call it. You know, I um, I had to go back into the city last night. The last thing I wanted to do, mind you, the last thing. I get back to Queens, tired. I go to the gym, have a good workout. Now it's about 4 o'clock yesterday afternoon. At that point, I'm up 14 hours. And what do I have to do? I hate these headphones, by the way. Damn it, Phil. Get me the ones I like. It's going to be one of those. Oh, God. Just, I mean, uh, Jesus. Realize, just, just realize it. Right oh, God bless the USA. That's fine. Now, hold on. Talk. Say something, Lewis. Okay. I... Um, well, it's clear that, that um, it's a uh, huge day. As you could hear the feedback. Cut up. That's, um, that makes it a big day. 
Sid looks pretty good today, though. Well, oh, thank jacket. you. Okay, thank you. Okay, thank you. Did thank great you, there. Phil. Yes. Yeah. Thanks. So I, I, at four o'clock in the afternoon, I finished. Thank you. Lou. <laughs> I finished my workout, and I'm and I'm faced with this reality that I have to go home now, and jump in the shower, and get dressed up again, put on a suit, a shirt, pair of nice shoes, my new Calvin Klein raincoat, which I bought at the garage, Anthony, and head back to the city. Two days, second time in the city, you know. And now it starts to rain, and it's cold. And Freddie, thank my my driver, Freddie, has become, it's, it's hard to believe, but he has become the most consistent, reliable driver in the country. I almost traded him for Melissa Zim. Peter King's a lovely driver. But I wouldn't trade Freddie for anybody right now. How do those trades work? You well, trade I don't know. It's like the uh, FAN trades, you know, Joe McEwing for Andy Johnson, that <laughs> nonsense. I mean, I would still trade him for Melissa because she's cuter, but he's really a, um, he's become very reliable. What are you laughing at? What? You're focused on the, on the, <laughs> on the big things here. I'm just right. imagining the screening process. Oh, well, here we like, go. Uh, yeah. Hey, man, what's your first name? Where are you calling from? <laughs> yeah. I have a trade. <laughs> Sid's driver for Melissa. Yeah, it's Peter King's driver. Yeah, uh, Peter, he's coming yeah. on today. That concerns me, too, because I'm not the best-looking person. So, like, if a, oh. like a decent-looking girl comes in, like, I feel like I'm going to be oh, out. Oh, you're out. I mean, uh, you know, over the summer, all these, uh, this Emily, this Claire, all these interns, you know. oh, if they wanted God. your job, I would have hired them in two seconds. Oh, so everything we've built so far is I got to tell you, I, I think, I, you know, <laughs> uh, I, I, get a lot of, um, I get a lot of messages lately that the show is now funny again. I swear to God, I get a lot of those messages. And they're giving you guys a lot of credit. But I wouldn't mind having some estrogen. There's so much testosterone in this studio. Six guys, it's like, you know, it's like a gay bar, basically. Where you get six? There's four of us. Whatever, it's fine. Two, two of you are fat, so it feels like six. Well, the smell so, like, more I, like six. <laughs> yeah. We could use a, a female in here, but, she, you know, like Christina was good uh, last year, but uh, people didn't like her. She's not back. It's fine. So, um, so I have to go back into the city, and I got to speak at this West Side Republican Club. Now, this is the second Republican Club that I'm speaking at in, in like a month. The lovely Krisha Lenzo and the Metropolitan Republican Club on the Upper East Side. I spoke out maybe it was about six weeks ago. But um, I'm in the car. It's raining. We're sitting in traffic on the West Side Highway. And I thought to myself, what am I doing? When did I become this Steve Bannon slash psycho Republican making the circuit with all these Republican clubs? When did this happen to me? You know what I did this morning at 5 o'clock? I sent Dwight Gooden a happy birthday text because I'm still a sports guy at heart. By the way, Dwight's already answered me. So while uh, the great pitcher for the Mets and Yankees, Dwight Gooden, already awake, celebrating his birthday, and said at 5.31 a.m., good morning, thank you, my friend. I'm still a sports guy at heart. And the idea that I go to these shuls and these centers and scream about Republicans... Still isn't completely natural to me just yet. And I always have to preface almost every time I do these things with, folks, I'm just a morning host. You know, and I do my show a lot like Don Imus did or Howard Stern does. This show is not just about politics. In fact, I think it's actually becoming less and less. We have very serious discussions, very, with very smart people. I'm very opinionated, very. I'm very loyal to Trump and others. But if you really listen lately, you'll notice a lot more laughs and going in different directions. And that's what the show should be. 
So the idea that I'll be at some shul on the Upper West Side screaming about Republicans isn't all that natural still. Even though the show is number one, I become that everyday guy that Republicans kind of like. Evidenced by the award I'm going to get in two weeks again at another club on the Upper East Side. Shit, what the hell? Uh, uh, so I get there, and um, I know Trump is about to speak at 9 o'clock, so i got to be done, you know. Uh, thank God it was a 7 to 8.30 event, so I knew I'd be back in the car with Freddie. And the beauty about today is I downloaded the Newsmax app on my phone, and I can watch Donald Trump on my hour-and-a-half trip home. It took me two hours to get from Rockaway in Queens to the Upper West Side last night. It was miserable. Weather miserable, traffic miserable. It was really rough. So I get up there at uh, 7 o'clock, you know, and um, this uh, this little um, old lady, Marsha, I don't want to call her an old lady. She's adorable. She does this introduction that was so cute that I'm sitting in the back of the room, and I mean this, I actually started to tear up. It was such a cute heartfelt, informative, like you can tell this lady, Marsha, she knows my career. And she was pointing out stuff like my interview with Travis Mills last week, you know, the uh, quadruple amputee that fought um, so bravely in Iraq and Afghanistan. She was bringing up stuff that you had to listen to the show to know about. And I was honored and humbled. It was lovely. And then I took the stage, you know, and it turned into half my career and half the Republican Party these days. And when you start talking about the midterms last week, it devolves into all these people want to talk about is election fraud. And I don't. Now, you got to understand, folks, I've got a dear, dear friend. His name is Thomas Sullivan. He just ran for assembly in Queens, and he won. But they stopped the count at 98%. And this uh, biatch, this, uh, you know, what's her name, uh, I got her name already, this idiot that he's running against. Stacey Amato, she's claiming victory. And not only that, after suing for a recount, she actually called Tom Sullivan un-American yesterday. Now, what's wrong with that? Well, he fought in Iraq, Afghanistan, Kuwait. He happened to be at the World Trade Center on 9-11 and dragged out bodies. People survived because of Tom Sullivan He's a war hero and a 9-11 hero. What, outside of making a decent cannoli and her father being a judge, has Stacey Amato ever done for this country? And this lady is vilifying Tom Sullivan yesterday, talking about how he doesn't appreciate democracy. And he's getting screwed. So I get it. I think that the voting system is a mess electric machines, and I say time and time again, it's a very easy fix. Enough with the the mail-in ballots. You got ballot harvesting going on across the country. All you got to do, just like if you go to a library or the DMV, get a voter registration card. And I said last night, the Democrats call Sid Rosenberg a racist at every turn. Republicans are racist, yet the Democrats are the ones saying you can't you use voter ID cards because black people don't have ID. Well, you tell me what's more racist than that. It's a simple fix, but we're not there yet. So I know, based on my own friend's race, and we'll talk to Mark Healy, the editor of The Wave in Rockaway, coming up at 645. He's following this race very, very closely. We know 
that there's fraud going on. Kerry Lake in Arizona was winning. Laxalt in Nevada, he was winning. But my point at this club last night was that's a fight that Donald Trump can't win anymore. He has spent the better part of the last two-plus years talking about that. And the everyday voter is sick of it. And I got to tell you, people walked out. They walked out. They were furious. Well, if he doesn't talk about it, well, then how's it going to get fixed? There's other Republicans. There are senators. There are congressmen. There's other folks that can do this. But at this point, what people want to hear from Donald Trump is not about rigged elections, not why you lost. They don't want to embarrass Ron DeSantis. They want to hear him go over his record, which was damn good before COVID, and how he can do what he did in 2016 all over again and fix this country, which is a mess. And it's not about Election Day. It's about inflation, the economy, the world being on fire. That's what the everyday folks want to hear. And that's exactly what Donald Trump did last night. If you watch that hour-long speech, he did not go on and on about a rigged election. He did not do it. He did not bash Ron DeSantis. I mean, according to, I guess, um, who's that uh, Democrat that helped architect Barack Obama? Oh, David Axelrod. He thinks that at one point Donald Trump had a veiled message to Ron DeSantis when he said you and, and uh, d- differentiated himself from the rest of you. And I'm not sure if that was the case or not, nor do I care. Donald Trump is not subtle when it comes to bashing people. So if there was a subliminal message there, congratulations, Axelrod, you figured it out. But I was worried about him really going ballistic on these people. He didn't do it. He didn't do it. That was a measured, smart, confident Donald Trump last night. Now, because he was measured, what are you getting this morning? Oh, my God, that was a low-energy Trump. Even Frank Morano, who's much smarter than me, said that this morning. Jeb Bush said it, which is ironic because Donald Trump nicknamed Jeb Bush low-energy Jeb. Now, I don't know if that was the, I guess, the idea from the beginning that he was going to be that way, not unhinged, not yelling and screaming, very measured, or if, in fact, he was low energy. I don't know. He's still, what, 75, 76 years old? But it didn't bother me. It did not bother me. If he was low energy, I think it worked. And if he made sure he was that way, if that was part of his strategy, it worked as well. The message was clear. The direction of this country is no good. It's a mess. He talked about the economy. He talked about our relationship with Russia, the Ukraine, a lot of time on China, two missiles fired into Poland, and he made it very, very clear, Patrick McEnroe, that if he was president, none of this would happen. And you say, well, how do I know that? I'll tell you how. He was president for four years, and none of this ever happened. And the day he takes office again, it ain't going to happen again. Because Donald Trump, as big as a bully and an a-hole that he is, and he's all those things, all of them, doesn't take any crap. He doesn't care. You can't buy him. You can't buy him. 
I promise you, he's not taking checks from the mayor's wife in Moscow. He's not getting involved in an energy company in Ukraine for extra cash. He's not making excuses for his sons, Eric and Donald Jr., when in fact it's clear they've done something illegal and spending a ton of that money on hookers and drugs. He ain't doing any of that stuff, folks. So you may still dislike him. You may be in the Ron DeSantis camp. I said last night, I don't care. Just vote Republican. I'm not here to convince you Donald Trump is the right guy. I think he is. But I'm not here to convince you of that. I just want you to vote Republican. Stop with the Democrat rule. They're ruining every major city, every major state in this country every day. You want to vote for DeSantis? God bless you. You want to stand outside 3rd Avenue, hold up a sign for Christy Nome, Tim Scott? God bless you. Just make sure you vote Republican. My choice is Donald Trump. And he did exactly yesterday what I wanted him to do. When I was in that shul last night, and these people were going back and forth with me, and I'm saying, listen to me, this is what he has to do. And like I said, some people left. They didn't want to hear it. And guess what? I was right. And I'm no political strategist. I'm not going to sit there like Britt Hume with Brett Baer or Jesse Waters. I'm not that guy. But I guess my instincts are pretty good. Because what I wanted to see and what I called for is exactly what I got. Not a bunch of cheating on the election, Ron DeSantis is blah, blah, none of that. He laid out the issues with the United States And he told you how he was going to fix it because he had done it before. Twice. He made that point twice. Because he had to do it in 2016 after the disaster that was Barack Obama. And he had to do it again at the end of his run after COVID, which he did call the China virus last night, which makes me erect when he does that. I love that. You like that, Dallas? I I, I really love that. Yeah. We're just discussing it at 5 o'clock. Like, well, you hate Trump anyway, so. No. But, but you I know like what's funny? You, you hate Trump, and while I'm Don't delivering this great monologue, Don't hate him. you keep nodding your head like, yes, yes. yes. I agree with you. I don't hate him. Oh, you do? I don't hate him. Did you hate him at one point? I'm being serious. Yeah. You know why? Because you sat there every day with those two idiots who are very nice people. I like them both. Len Berman and Michael Riedel, the worst radio show ever. There was some lady in the audience last night. She goes, well, just so you know, I don't listen to you. I listen to Len and Michael. (laughs) I swear to God. That must have went over good. Oh, that was great. I said, well, good for you, ma'am. Yeah. Why don't you leave? No, I didn't even bother. I didn't bother. I was very um, nice last night. Even though, once again, some of the folks in the audience angered me. i got to stop doing these things. I'm tired. It's too much. And I'm just not that guy. Like, I'm not going to get up there and, like, like, like I said, like Steve Bannon or one of these folks and start yelling and screaming about all the minutia. I just don't care. I couldn't wait to get back in the car, despite a lot of nice people and Marsha being great, and watch my guy. And my guy delivered a knockout punch. And if you feel any differently... Not to belittle you, but you're stupid. That's it. You're stupid. That's simple. Yeah. Yeah. You're stupid. I, what do you want me to tell you? That's what Britt Hume would actually say. Too, yeah. I think. Well, I must used to always say, was it uh, was it Rick White or Roy White or somebody would always say, yeah, you know, good left fielder. You can't fix stupid. No. You can't fix it. So I'm not going to even try. 
Was, uh, all those speeches, uh, Brett. Uh, you know how really, I know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know how I know Donald Trump was great last night. Here's how I know. I read every comment this morning from the left, and when they come out as strong as they did with all that criticism, again, whether it was David Axelrod or Jeb Bush, any one of these losers, that's when you know Trump was great. Because if he wasn't effective and he wasn't good, they'd leave it alone. They couldn't do it. They knew. They knew he was back. The big guy, DJT. Chant it, Billy. Let me hear you, buddy. D. J. J. D. J. J. T. T. You know what that stands for? Hold on. Oh, God. Here we go. We don't have this much time. Yeah, I don't think he knows either. his middle name. That's so the problem. Like, oh. He knows Trump. He knows Donald Trump. Oh. But he knows oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Those are the first two. That's the BT. <laughs> okay. Did you even watch that last night? Watch what? Yeah, that's what I figured. <laughs> Nixon Jazz. What were you stuck on? Oh, yeah. I was watching the Spurs game. <laughs> the Spurs. Spurs Trailblazers, baby. You did pick the Spurs last night plus the points. Covered by one. Yeah, you're a genius. Make the Spurs great again. Didn't some guy like do something with the president or something yesterday? I don't remember. Yeah, you, you just listen to the show today. You'll find out all that stuff, okay. I promise. I'll listen to it later. Yeah. we got great uh, guests coming up. Mark Healy, the editor of The Wave. We'll talk about this Thomas Sullivan race coming up at 645. Sebastian Gorka, huge Donald Trump supporter, Newsmax host, coming up at 740. Congressman Peter King. He's gone sideways on Donald Trump. Can't wait to hear his comments this morning. He was also on Newsmax last night. He'll join us at 8.40. And then Hall of Fame boxing trainer. He's got his annual big event on Staten Island coming up tomorrow night. The great Teddy Atlas stopping by at 9.25. Big show coming your way and all the Donald Trump audio you need on this, the number one talk show in New York. God bless New York. God bless America, and God bless you. Now let's kick some ass. If you had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Good song, Gin Blossoms, 
Some lady, Lisa, who's a um, big fan of the show, sent me a message yesterday. She said, I don't know why people listen to you every day. There's a variety of reasons. She says, but the last month or so, I listen because I think you're funny and I love the music. I swear to God. So um, I do pick a lot of the songs, but Lou Rufino has been a major, major part of that uh, quality that this show does present to you every morning. So thank you for that. Did they play music um, over there, Len and Mike? And... <laughs> I told you what they did, laugh. No, I don't even, okay. What is it? Well, what they do over there is I, I, I had no say in anything. There was right. nothing. They, I just, Which I makes no sense. I mean, you're a Hall of Famer. You worked with Don Amos was... for 30-plus years. Len, terrific guy. Love him to pieces. Yeah, very nice He's a guy. sports guy turned horrible political broadcaster. <laughs> right. And Mike Riedel belongs on, on Broadway. That's where he belongs. He's a, he's a nice guy. He's got some good stories. Key grip or dancing. or That's no, it. I mean, he's okay. a good guest. But he's not. He should never be a, a host on a morning show. I mean, come on, ridiculous. So what do they do with the music they, there? They it's, things are you basically drag in uh, music segments for each thing, uh, but yeah, it's yeah. all it's it's iHeartRadio bumpers. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's already pre. So it's are they promoting other shows like Elvis Duran and? Well, it's the music that they would play, but right. you're playing it on OR. I got it. Yeah, it was it made, made no sense. It made no sense right. to me. Well, the whole show makes no sense. No sense. That's why we kick their ass every day. <laughs> that's not the audience. If the audience wanted to hear that, yeah. they'd be listening to Z100 us. or us. Uh, yes, <laughs> which they do. So yeah. I, I had nothing to say about it. It was mm. just do whatever the producer wanted. Well, put it on. I, I want your opinion it. here every day because okay. you're a genius. Yeah. Well, I love you. There's my opinion. <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> I love Donald Trump too. And last night again, he he was measured. Some of you call it low energy. And um, if you feel that way, that's fine. I didn't feel that way. I didn't want an unhinged Donald Trump last night. I wanted somebody to stand there and state the facts, which is what he did. Like when he talked about President Joe Biden right here, this, Lewis, would be Donald Trump cut number 16. Joe Biden has intentionally surrendered our energy independence. There is no longer even a thought of dominance. And we are now begging for energy help from foreign nations, many of whom find us detestable. <laughs> Our southern border has been erased, and our country is being invaded by millions and millions of unknown people, many of whom are entering for a very bad and sinister reason. Very bad. And you know what that reason is. We will be paying a big price for this invasion into our country for years to come. Hundreds of thousands of pounds of deadly drugs including very lethal fentanyl, are flooding across the now open and totally porous southern border. The blood-soaked streets of our once great cities are cesspools of violent crimes, which are being watched all over the world as leadership of other countries explain that this is what America and democracy is really all about. How sad. So this dipstick Joe Biden meets with President Xi at this G20 summit, a couple of days ago, you know, and uh, what do they talk about? They talk about climate control. Trump talked about this, too, that the ocean may rise a hundredth of an inch or something in 300 years. That ain't killing anybody today. But all of the crime that's killing people today, they don't want to discuss. So Biden with uh, Xi Jinping goes over climate control and food and all that nonsense. What did he not talk about? The COVID, the virus that China unleashed on the world. And, of course, fentanyl, 
We talk about fentanyl on this station all the time. Bernard, God rest his soul, his son-in-law died right before his son Brendan married his wife from a fentanyl drug overdose. Uh, overdose. It hit him personally. I did drugs for many, many years. Not breaking any news this morning. At any given time, one of those bags laced with cocaine and Ava and Gabe have no father. It is a huge problem, and Biden never brought it up. Never. With the country that is responsible for bringing it here. It took DJT, because that's who he is, my friends, took him less than 30 minutes to bring up a problem that is seriously plaguing this country. Then he was funny when he talked about Joe Biden. This is a pretty good cut. This is Donald Trump, number 15, as only DJT can do it. Now we have a president who falls asleep at global conferences, (laughs) (laughs) was held in contempt by the British Parliament over Afghanistan. Thanks to the words of wisdom, he said thank you to the wrong country for inviting him to a major summit on the environment of all things. They fly for days to get there, and then he calls the country a name that was actually a country on another continent. (laughs) And he's leading us to the brink of nuclear war, a concept unimaginable just two short years ago. You cannot mention the nuclear word. It's too devastating. The Green New Deal and the environment, which they say may affect us in 300 years, is all that is talked about. And yet nuclear weapons, which would destroy the world immediately, are never even discussed as a major threat. Can you imagine? Never even discussed. Okay, I'm voting for him. I mean, come on. All kidding aside, you say, okay, I'm voting for him, but it took me 30 minutes sitting in the backseat of Freddie's car watching this, and I was exhausted, folks. Did this radio show, went to the gym, spoke at a Republican club. I was exhausted. I was really in no mood. Took me 30 minutes, and I'm like, wow, I really miss this guy. I really miss what, and I couldn't stand this guy. I voted against him. I wasn't Bernie or some of you folks out there who basically ejaculated when he came down the, the escalator in 2016. I couldn't stand him. Boy, I remember the headlines that day when the ejaculate. Never mind. Yeah, well. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Be quiet. Justin remembers. This. Point is, I didn't like the guy. <laughs> Look at this picture. It was the dumbest campaign I've ever seen. He's going to wear a hat. He's going to build a wall. He's going to nickname everybody. And then he became this force. And why would you folks not want that back? Because he says, of course, he, he says very stupid things. He's offensive. He's a bully. He's all those things. All those things. That's exactly what you need to deal with people like Putin, the guy in North Korea, especially Xi in China. That's what you You don't want a nice guy. Ron DeSantis, while right there with all the policies, and while you folks are giving credit to Ron DeSantis for all of his policies, who did Ron DeSantis adopt those policies from? They were Donald Trump's policies. DeSantis is not bringing anything new. He's taking Trump's policies. But he's a nicer guy. I don't want a nice guy. I don't want that. I want a complete a-hole. That's Donald Trump. That's my guy. Somehow I managed to compliment him 
and I guess that was amazing. Demean him. Yeah. Well, Amos taught me well, didn't he? <laughs> my he may be a right blubber titty guy, but he's the greatest president of all time. A blubber titty, blubber titty, blubber titty. Traffic and sports are coming up next. Right now it's time for the 77 WABC clip of the day. Listen to Protecting America with Rita Cosby. She's on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Download and uh, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. We just heard Donald Trump talk about Joe Biden. Here on this podcast, Rita Cosby talks about Joe Biden. Joining us now is Mark Lauder. He is communications officer of the great America First Policy Institute. They'll look at the polls. They'll look at their own standing and all the other issues to see if he can do it. But it sounds like what you're hearing reported coming out of the White House that he plans to run. And you think President Biden is vulnerable in 2024, if so? Of all things being equal today, and they never are, but if they are, yes, he is absolutely. He's probably the most vulnerable president seeking reelection since Jimmy Carter. This is Sid on Sports. Oh, my goodness! Sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77 WA. It's my guy, Pete Morgan, Peerless Boilers. Check them out, peerlessboilers.com, paviliontankless.com. They do build America's best boilers. And in honor of the great Joe Nolan, who just delivered a bang-up traffic report, his red-hot New Jersey Devils back on the ice last night. What happened? Here's Dustin Ellick to tell you all about it. Well, thank you, Sydney. Yeah, more of the same for your New Jersey Devils, the hottest team in hockey, making it double digits in the form of a 10th straight win last night in, in uh, a 5-1 to victory in Montreal over the Habs. It was Jack Hughes. He shone the brightest with his two goals on the night, including this power play score in the second to open up the scoring. Hamilton in front as Bastion goes right to the front of the net again. Hughes whistles one wide. Allen never saw it. Tried to go short side with Bastion in front screening. 35 seconds left on the power play. Hughes and again he scores! Jack Hughes! A power play goal! The Devils lead! That call courtesy of MSGSN. Devs will be in Toronto on Thursday to try and push that streak to 11. And over to the hardwood now. We start with our victorious Knickerbockers who pulled the 118-111 to 111 road win out. Against the Jazz in Utah, Jalen Brunson led the way in orange and blue with his 25 points and 8 assists as the Knicks move to an even 500 at 7-7 seven seven overall. Currently good for 7th place in the Eastern Conference. They'll try and keep it going tonight in Denver at 10 p.m. Eastern time against the Nuggets. As for the Nets, they fall to 6-9 and nine overall by uh, after bypassing literally any form of defense in Sacramento against the Kings, Kings losing a whopping 153-121 to 121 in the process. As for Kyrie Irving News, head coach Jock Vaughn said after the game that there's been no update on when the star guard might return from his team-imposed suspension. And wrapping up things here with news from the diamond as the Yankees offseason aspirations beginning to take shape with the retaining of first baseman Anthony Rizzo yesterday. Other than bringing back Aaron Judge, holding on to Rizzo was a top priority for the Yanks. They get their guy on a two-year deal with club option of the third on the third year, worth up to $51 million total. And also big news out of Queens, Mets uh, skipper Buck Showalter, named National League Manager of the Year on Tuesday night. And Terry Francona wins the AL Honors out of Cleveland for the Guardians. Here with your bottom of the hour sports update, I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. I want to rock! Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. But let's talk about something locally here, Lou. I'm going to tag team up with um, Sid Rosenberg in the mornings, Monday through Friday, 6 to 10. And he has been a great friend of the Sullivan family out in the Irish Riviera, the Rockaways, and especially Tom Sullivan, who has been a warrior in the political trenches. 
Obviously, uh, Sid has been with Tom Sullivan uh, far more often than I have been, but I've been standing side by side. Tom Sullivan ran twice before as the Republican conservative to unseat uh, State Senator Joe Adabo. Ran great races, but it was an overwhelming task. This time around, Tom Sullivan, former Army veteran, hero, patriot through and through from the tip of his nose to the tip of his toes, his entire family, took on Assemblywoman Stacey Pfeiffer Amato, nepotism in full effect. She was in the state uh, assembly. She had the advantage as the incumbent, and it got down to about 98% of the votes counted, and Tom Sullivan is the state assemblyman, no doubt about it. He was ahead 246 votes, and then all of a sudden, Lou, they shut it down. They shut it down. What the hell happened to the count? Silence. And Stacey Pfeiffer Amato with the crooked Democratic machine wants a recount. You know damn well what they're, she's going to try to steal the election from Tom Sullivan. Can't nothing in front of me. Can't see nothing coming up behind. Make my way through this darkness. I can't feel nothing but this chain that grinds me. Lost track of how far I've gone. How far I've gone, how high I've climbed. On my back's a 60 pound stone. On the shoulder, half mile line. The rising is right, whether we're talking about that great speech by my good friend Donald J. Trump last night. We'll get back to that. We've got all kinds of great guests stopping by to talk about it, and the speech was great. For Tom Sullivan, get on up for the rising. Curtis Sliwa did a tremendous job there. Curtis always does. Curtis is so good on the air. He's so good. That was uh, during his uh, weekday show yesterday between uh, noon and one, and he does know Tom Sullivan pretty well, and I know Sullivan for years family friend for over four decades. His brother Michael, of course, is a dear, dear friend. They all are. Brian, Danny, Ross, the whole crew. And uh, he's getting jobbed in this race. This uh, Stacy Pfeffer Amato, don't know her from a hole in the wall, but my God, what an unappreciative, horrible wench. I don't know how else to say it. She puts out a statement yesterday. First, she's suing for a recount. She lost. That's fine. She puts out this statement yesterday. My opponent would like to stop counting votes before all the votes were tallied. That's shameful. Our brave men and women serving our nation overseas. Hey, Stacy, that's what Tom did. Yeah, he was in Iraq. He was in Afghanistan. He was in Kuwait. Stacy, while you were making cookies at home, or 9-11, you know what Thomas Sullivan was doing? He was dragging bodies out of the Burning World Trade Center. He literally saved lives that day. You're going to give Thomas Sullivan a lesson on democracy? Are you nuts? Who are you? I don't care that your father was a judge. I tell him the same thing. Who the F are you? 
to give Thomas Sullivan a lesson on democracy when he fought three wars, three, and was a hero on 9-11. What have you done? Nothing. You've done nothing. So they're going to try to steal this. This goes back to my speech last night where I did want to get too involved in the whole voter fraud thing because I just can't stand it. But, of course, I readily admit it exists, and this is the perfect example. They are trying to steal the election from my friend Thomas and give it to some judge's daughter who nobody cares about. So Mark Healy is the editor of The Wave, which is a really good local paper in Rockaway. In fact, he did a whole cover story on me a couple of weeks ago. That's why it's a good paper, because he did a story on me. Um, But in all seriousness, Healy did a story yesterday, or today, on the whole Tom Sullivan situation. He's kind enough to join me early on this Wednesday morning. Mark Healy, how are you, buddy? Good morning, Sid. You have the right earphones now? It's going to be, it's going <laughs> to be smooth? It'll okay. be okay now, yeah. Uh, things uh, things yeah. tend to set me off early in the morning. You know, it's, it's just the way it is. But uh-huh. it's all good now, although I am set off because of this whole Tom Sullivan story. I, I pretty much gave the background, so did Curtis Sliwa. Did I miss anything on the background of this story? Well, I, you know, look, there's a couple of things I think that have to be discussed. You know, the first off is that Stacy, you know, who I've worked with over the years, you know, I've been the editor-in-chief here for eight years, and so I've covered all of her races. I've covered all of Tom's races. I've spent a lot of time with Tom. Uh, you know, with, with our community editor, Ryan Schwack, was, was covering the Stacy's campaign. I was covering Tom's campaign. Um, you know, the... I really think that the the issue here is that no one expected – a lot of people did not expect Tom, which I thought was ridiculous, but didn't expect Tom to put up a fight. You know, uh, he doesn't have the money that Stacey had. He doesn't have the machine behind him. Uh, you know, I don't know how much support he's even gotten from the state GOP party. He got nothing. I mean, Tom, the state GOP party I sucks. Mean, I, I can't wait. <laughs> I, I really hope those rumors about my friend A.J. Katzmatidis are true because Nick Langworthy turned his back on us, ran his own stupid race against Paladino. I don't care. So I really do hope A.J. takes over. Now, he did, with my help, by the way, get endorsed, Thomas, by folks like Peter King and Dove right. Heikind. But for the most part, the Republican Party did nothing for Tom Sullivan. Nothing. But if you look at the way Tom performed against Joe Adabo, uh, he doubled his uh, vote count uh, the second time he ran against Joe. Um, and in the debates that I did with both of those candidates, you know, I moderated both debates. And to me, I've always felt that that's always the best way for a candidate to put their best foot forward is to, you know, engage in a local debate and, you know, basically, you know, tell the people, you know, this is my policy. This is what my background is. This is what I'm going to do for you. And Tom did better every time he had that opportunity. And so I don't want to say that, you know, Stacey took it for granted that she would win. I mean, but when you look at her elections over the last, you know, three times, she's had never had a competitive race. She's no. always blown yeah. away the opponent. Yeah. And so I think going in, you know, and I wrote an editorial about this a couple of weeks ago, how I've, I was really disappointed with Stacey's decision and Greg Meeks's decision not to debate uh, Tom Sullivan or Paul King, because I felt it's their, you know, it's their civic duty 
Yeah, they should so. make they should make that a law. That, that should be a law. Absolutely. Like you know, if you're going to run in these races, at least one debate. Because you're right, King never got a chance at Meeks, who killed him, and uh, Amato and and Sullivan never went head to head. And he would have won I those. He would have won those too, no. Tom Sullivan. So look, just to get to, to the meat of it, then. So he's winning. He's up a couple of hundred votes. Ninety-eight percent of the precincts they're in the votes, and all of a sudden they they just shut it down. I haven't heard any excuse why they shut it down, but I got a text from Tom Sullivan the next morning which said, well, it may take about a week. I guess they're going to spend the next week trying to find 300 votes, and they found about 260 already. So this clearly smells of voter fraud. They shut it down for no reason, and she has now uh, actually decreased his lead from a week ago. Well, what's interesting to me, Sid, is that you know, the statement that came out yesterday, we had been asking uh, Ryan Schwach, who is our community editor, has been asking Stacy to respond to what Tom put out, which was, I believe, yesterday morning, asking the question that, you know, Stacy's mom, Audrey Pfeffer, uh, was seen or observed electioneering outside the PS 114 um, uh, polling place on Election Day. Uh, and was asked to move. And so, you know, when Tom put that out yesterday, uh, because, you know, as you know, Audrey Pfeffer is the uh, county clerk uh, for Queens County. Oh, my God. There's so, so much nepotism for this Stacy lady. So, it's unbelievable. So, so what you know, we were trying to get to the bottom of it because we were trying to, you know, ascertain whether or not this was, an, you know, alleged, was it, you know, did it happen? Did it not happen? And so we were asking for a comment about that, and our answer was the was was the statement that Stacy put out or Stacy right. campaign. Which, put by out the way, was yesterday. so and so, and I read it so so disrespectful. I mean, you you can ask for a recount, you can do that, uh, you're entitled, uh, even if you did lose, and you can do all these things. But when you start to talk about a man who again served in Iraq, Afghanistan, Kuwait, was here nine eleven. And start giving him a lesson on democracy when you've done nothing, nothing but serve because your father's a judge and your mother's a county clerk. It came off so disgusting and so disrespectful that I didn't know Stacey Amato before this race. I'm a new Rockaway resident, and I don't wish her badly. Thomas is a friend of mine. I want him to win. But at this point, I can't stand her. Well, Tom's done nothing but say trust the process. You know, Tom has, has said from the beginning, even that night, I was with Tom the whole night. Uh, at his watch party at Wits End, and you know, as the lead went, you know, he was down a thousand, he was up six hundred, and you know, as it was going back and forth, you know, I could. Tom was a very was very calm, you know, and he was like, "Look, I'm just going to trust the process." You know, I, I asked people to vote for me, and so the what Stacy put in her statement yesterday about uh, that Tom didn't want all the votes counted. Not true. It's a lie. I mean, was lie. Tom the one that? Sued for the recount? No. Nope. I mean, I mean you're right. she's the one. really but, make a lot of sense to but, me. Now, look, you know, Stacey's going to be, uh, you know, upset that I'm saying this. But there's, look, at the end of the day, um, uh, you know, uh, w- the wave has been incredibly fair uh, during this whole process of, of maintaining this, uh, you know, and covering this election. And the, the statement just to me on its face uh, was was very poorly constructed. It didn't address the situation. And, and, in, and in my opinion, and again, this is my opinion, not the paper's opinion, it's my opinion, that 
it was just erroneous almost on every level. Listen, you're being very, very nice. It was disrespectful, bottom line. Erroneous and not factual. You're being very nice. Uh, The truth is it was disrespectful. It was disgusting. He deserved better than that. So in the next 30 seconds, Mark Healy, is Tom Sullivan going to win this race or not? It's not looking good. It's not looking good. You know, this whole recount. You know, look, you remember um, when Melinda Katz and Tiffany Caban ran for Queens D.A., Tiffany Caban was up by 1,000 votes on election night. This was a few years ago. And she declared victory. She was up by 1,000 votes, and she declared victory. Melinda Katz said, I'm not conceding, sued for a recount, and won by 40 votes. That right. was in the Democratic primary for Queens DA. Yep. So I'm, I'm, you know, just because it's a precedent, I'm looking at it as, you know, this could be something that does not turn out for Tom. And mm. frankly— you know, when you look at it, uh, when you look at when you look at what Tom has behind him, and when you look at what Stacey has behind her, it just it's it's a, a grassroots campaign that Tom drives around in his van uh, <laughs> against yeah, the Democratic machine. machine. I know. And it's, yeah. it, you know, look, Tough. I don't care whose side you're on. I mean, if you can't look at that from an objective way, at it in an objective way, and look at that and say something's not right here, right? Um, I think that, you know, certainly that the skepticism is warranted. All right. Listen, great job on covering this story. Thank you very much for the story you did on me a couple of weeks ago. I had a blast with you that day. And uh, continued success. There's a lot of folks that love that paper. It's a great paper. It's an old paper. And you do a tremendous job, Mark Healy. Thank you so much. Thanks, Sid. And uh, shout out to my buddy Lou over there. You got it. Lou Rafino, They love him. All right. That's the latest with Tom Sullivan. So Mark Healy... Sounds to me like he thinks they're going to steal this from my boy Sully. We'll have to wait and see. We will not go quietly, Tom. Don't you worry. I got some big guns getting involved in this every day, every day. Anyway, Sebastian Gorka, Congressman Peter King, Hall of Fame boxing trainer Teddy Atlas, and more on the magnificent Donald Trump speech last night. All that's still to come. Three more hours of Sid in the Morning. Right here on Talk Radio 77, WABC. We're doing it live! Hey, Bill O'Reilly here, and you are listening to Bernie and Sid. God help you. On the Red Apple Podcast Network.
Phil, I'm talking to you, damn it, Phil. Hello? Was there cheese <laughs> on that egg white on a roll I just ate? I, I feel like there's a piece of cheese stuck to the right side of my lip. I think there was cheese on it. Well, let me ask you a question. If I made the move from bacon, egg, and cheese or a glop of cream cheese with locks on a bagel mm-hmm. to egg whites, because clearly I'm trying to, you know, get in better shape and lose a little bit of my, my gut. I'm in great shape, but my gut is, you know, I'm 55. Um, why would I add cheese to an egg white sandwich? I don't know. I just ordered what you asked me. But I didn't ask you to order that. You I, I asked you for an egg white on, on a roll. Well, to be fair, you didn't say anything. I just decided that you were going to eat an egg white with cheese today. Right, but think about that for one second. Egg white, healthy, cheese, not healthy. Why would anybody... What's unhealthy about cheese? Well, the cholesterol is no good. It's dairy. It's also fattening. It's, it's, just, it's bad on a bunch of levels. You're looking a little skinny in the face. I want to <laughs> fill it out a little bit. Uh-huh. You're, Let's you're, try you're this tomorrow. In. So when I ask you for something healthy... Uh-huh. Try to bring back something healthy. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not here to bash you every you, day. You you ordered egg white, an egg white. With cheese. No, I never said cheese. No, it makes no sense. Again, you didn't say it's, anything. You know what it's like? I it's like guessed. I've got friends who go to McDonald's and they have like six Big Macs and 19 chicken McNuggets and they order a diet, diet coke. coke. I mean, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, it's, it doesn't make any sense. Donald Trump has a great. Uh, don't worry about that. Keep my friend's name out of your mouth. He's an all-time great tweet. Uh, I've never seen a skinny person drink diet coke. Yeah, he did say that. That's true. Mike Francesa would drink like 90 Diet Cokes during every radio show. Only spectacle. Well, I'm glad you mentioned uh, Donald Trump because he was brilliant last night. Not not even good. He was brilliant. And as I said this morning, whether it's Bo Deedle, these are all dear friends of mine. I mean, I talk to Bo every day. I mean, I love Bo. Honestly, like a father. I love him. Uh, Peter King, he'll be on at 840. But um, you're not allowed to come back on the the train now. That's it. You're off the train. You can't come back. We We don't want you. So. I know you watched that last night. You're like, oh, my God, maybe I was wrong about Trump. He really is great. No, they'll come on this morning and Peter and Bo. And, well, he lied about how many, you know, all the guys he endorsed. He had 220 wins. God, who cares? We know Trump's a liar. That's not the issue. He's one of the biggest liars ever. So what? That's not the issue. The issue is, can he save us from this impending doom that Joe Biden and the Democrats have created. And if you watched him last night, in a very measured tone, not low energy, not low energy, in a very measured tone, he delivered like the mailman. Watch me. Well, I did watch him, uh, Joe. Not you. I watched him, and he was great. You, well, listen, I, you know, I can't. The whole thing with the, the, the uh, missiles in Poland I'm not going to talk about it. I've got 19 cuts here. I've got General Kellogg. I've got former U.S. NATO Ambassador Kurt Volker. I've got General Keene, who I've to like very much and know him personally. Pentagon General Patrick Ryder. I've got all these folks talking about this missile attack, but we don't know who sent it. Right? We want to blame Russia in the worst way because if we do that, which is really stupid because that really would create World War III if Russia starts sending missiles into NATO territory. But as it turns out, it looks like it was the Ukraine and not Russia. So before I start playing all this audio, it may be a better idea, Lou and Phil, to find out exactly who fired this missile. I mean, don't you think? Or I think I'm trying to be responsible here. Well, my missile's a missile, whoever fired it. I mean, I sure as hell don't care who did it. No. If we start a world war, it's something you could put on my Wikipedia article. Yeah. 
All right, I'll write that down. Thank you very much. Right for after that. a Diet Coke. Yeah. Well, he did mention it last night, Donald Trump, the missile uh, deal in Poland. I forget which one. Here it is. Let, let's do this. He talked about how China, Russia, Iran, North Korea, all these countries that hate, and I mean with vigor, I mean with zest, they hate us. They hate the United States. They wake up every morning trying to figure out a new way to destroy us. And this imbecile, as Bernie would call him, is making life easy for them. DJT, I love saying that, God. That wasn't the case when he was in charge. Right, Donald? Cut number 17. Instead of jobs and factories leaving America for China, they were for the first time ever leaving China for America. Businesses were pouring back because of our historic tax and regulation cuts, the biggest in both categories in history, bigger even than what Ronald Reagan was able to produce, and he produced a lot. China, Russia, Iran, and North Korea were in check and respected. They respected the United States, and quite honestly, they respected me. I knew them well. <laughs> I knew them well. He's the best. Isn't he? I knew them well. Uh, he goes on to talk about how he is, he's the guy, America. He's the voice, whether it's Sid Rosenberg or Lou Rufino or Peter King, quite frankly. He's the voice. Lewis, this is Donald Trump, cut number 18. But just as I promised in 2016, I am your voice. I am your voice. The Washington establishment wants to silence us, but we will not let them do that. What we have built together over the past six years is the greatest movement in history because it is not about politics. It's about our love for this great country, America, and we're not going to let it fail. I am running because I believe the world has not yet seen the true glory of what this nation can be. We have not reached that pinnacle, believe it or not. In fact, we can go very far. We're going to have to go far. First, we have to get out of this ditch. And once we're out, you'll see things that nobody imagined for any country. It's called the United States of America, and it's an incredible place. He does go on here one more. We'll get to some other stories here to emphasize that this is not even about politics anymore. It's about this movement, this America first movement, which for the better part of four years, three and a half to be exact, was perfect. All right. He talked last night about African-Americans, despite what John Legend says or LeBron James doing better than ever. Latinos who are now voting for Republicans in a big way, how they fared better. Asian Americans, he left out the Jews, by the way, but we always do well. This is at least according to Kanye and uh, Kyrie Irving. But he went on to really emphasize last night just how well everybody was doing and then talk about this movement that we need back. It's not about politics. It's about the movement. This, Lewis, is Donald Trump, cut number 20. This is not a task for a politician or a conventional candidate. This is a task for a great movement that embodies the courage, confidence, and the spirit of the American people. This is a movement. This is not for any one individual. 
This is a job for tens of millions of proud people working together from all across the land and from all walks of life, young and old, black and white, Hispanic and Asian, many of whom we have brought together for the very, very first time. Shalom. Yes, thank you for that. So, you know, he's in now. Now, Ron DeSantis, not that far removed from beating Jolly Chris down in Florida and uh, winning another gubernatorial race. He hasn't announced anything yet. He's very quiet. And Mike Pence. Oh, Mike Pence. Remember him? Another guy that Donald Trump made. He was some goofy guy out of Indiana who most Americans knew very little about except they thought he hated gay people. And the next thing you know, he's sitting next to Donald Trump talking to Leslie Stahl on 60 Minutes. Now, to Mike Pence's credit, unlike this bimbo Kamala Harris, he was a good vice president. Don't forget those COVID conferences every day where you had Trump and you had Dr. Anthony Fauci and you had Dr. Burks and others. I can make a really good argument that the one guy who was consistent every day, and at least for me, and I think Bernie agreed, God rest his soul, the one guy that presented hope was Mike Pence. Well, I kind of like Mike Pence, but now, you know, all these accusations and, you know, Trump did say a couple of things, but you got to get over this stuff eventually. I mean, come on, man. Stop being such a baby. So Pence was on with Brett Baer last night. You know, certain nights I like Brett Baer and certain nights I don't. It's fine. Pence is on with, because I never know what team he's on. Brett Baer had Pence on last night, and it was a conversation about Trump. And this was about three hours before Donald Trump announced he's running for president. And there's a lot of rumors that Mike Pence wants to run. Now, listen, Mike, if you're listening, I just said that I thought you were a really good vice president. I just gave you a tremendous amount of credit during one of our country's most difficult times during COVID. You were great. You were about as much presidential material as Mr. Rogers. You know, I mean, there's no personality there. There's no charisma there. You got to have some of that. Some of it. Go easy on Mr. Rogers. Why? Wasn't he a weirdo? He got me through childhood. Um, I mean, I don't think he got you through it. I watched the show, too. I don't think that was the... I think it was Mr. Rogers. That's it? No, I barely watched the show. I watched it. I turned it off when it came on. I like when the trains went into that uh, little... uh, That's it. That's when I turned it off. The what? King Tuesday or something. Or uh, Queen... uh, What are we talking about here? Mr. Rogers. You're too young for that. Oh, forget it. Oh, I remember the heydays of Mr. Rogers. You do? Oh, yeah. Tom Hanks. Wasn't Tom Hanks Mr. Rogers? Was it him, Tom? I, yeah, I thought so. he was Forrest Gump. Was it his, he was Forrest Gump, too. Oh. He, did, he did more than one movie. What? Yeah, just so you know. what? About two or three. Yeah, he no, was also. That's not real. He was also in Big and Apollo 13 and Philadelphia and just a few you're, other movies. You're listing things that Saving Private Ryan. Movies. He did it yeah. while he was Forrest Gump because yeah. Forrest Gump was everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. Such a brilliant movie. And he was so good. Someone says it's the best movie ever. Some radio host. I said that, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what Don't worry about what I say. Sometimes Phil had no idea. Literally, my job to worry about what you say. That's, That's true. They, they pay me for it. So Mike Pence is on with Brett Baer last night, and um, Brett Baer asks Donald Trump, uh, excuse me, Mike Pence, about Donald Trump. And lately, you know, Pence has been pretty pro Donald Trump, but he was back to being his old backstabbing self last night. And here's what Mike Pence had to say about Donald Trump to Brett Baer. This is cut number uh, 24. I honestly believe that we're going to have better choices, Brett. What? Um, I, I think... Uh, 
you know, Donald Trump was the only candidate in 2016 who could have defeated Hillary Clinton. Uh, I saw that firsthand. And I, uh, after he won that Indiana primary, I never doubted that he was going to win. And uh, I chronicle that in my book. But you doubt um, it now. But I, I think uh, I think different times call for different leadership. And and in the days ahead, I, I just have heard all over the country from people who've stopped, expressed support and appreciation for the record of our administration uh, that uh, they, they want to see leadership that brings our country together while still fighting for all the things that have always made this country strong and and prosperous. Mike Pence, he thinks there'll be better choices out there. Interesting. When you consider better choices may, in fact, include him. (laughs) We'll see. Folks, let me tell you something. These next two years, it's going to be so exciting. You're not going to find a bigger sports fan than me. I can't wait to be at Giants Stadium or MetLife, whatever they call it. Giants and Eagles, December the 4th. I look forward to a great Yankee-Red Sox game and a great Lakers-Celtic game. But the next two years... In this political world, promises to be, I promise you, the greatest blood sport in the history of our country. It's going to be awesome. And there's one place you need to be to experience all of it. And that's with me every morning right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Bill O'Reilly here, and I'm warming up. Stand by for the O'Reilly Update Morning Edition. On this Wednesday, the song Sweet Home Alabama has a good line in it. In Birmingham, they love the governor. Well, we all did what we could do. The reference by Leonard Skinnerd is to the segregationist George Wallace, who terrorized black people in the 1960s as governor of Alabama. Ultimately, Wallace lost power and a would-be assassin's bullet put him in a wheelchair for the rest of his life. Now, I thought of the song when evaluating last week's vote. I know I did all I could do. I clearly laid out the danger from the Biden administration and the present-day Democratic Party. But millions of Americans dismissed that warning. Each voter has a reason for the ballot they cast. But history will show the destruction to our society that is going to occur over the next two years. Some of us will avoid the worst of it, but the poor will not. At this point, perceptive Americans will move forward and accept the so-called will of the people, no matter how misguided it is. This is not a mandate situation. More Americans voted for House Republicans than Democrats. But the progressive movement was not derailed as some of us hoped it would be. Tough two years ahead. That is the morning O'Reilly update. More analysis later on.
The digital dollar could give the feds control of your money. Get the digital dollar report. Call 1-800-862-6970 and also receive a $1,000 credit from Priority Gold to protect your money. Or just go to digitaldollarreport.com. Please note, the information provided does not constitute financial or investment advice. Bernard McGurk. Unacceptable is throwing your beer can on the subway tracks. <laughs> Sid Rosenberg. I don't believe it's a three-man race. Bernie and Sid in the morning. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. We should all take a moment to think about what it's like to be a turkey. Gobble, gobble, gobble. Gobble, gobble, gobble. Hi, I'm just a little turkey. Just cut the damn bird, boy. Dewey, can we just enjoy our Thanksgiving dinner? You think you're so great, sitting there all drugged up on your trampoline. You're the black sheep of this family. You call yourself a cox. Until you get right with Jesus, you'll never be nothing but a big black cox. Kasich, the lead singer of the Cars, there, and that scene from the great movie, The Dewey Cox Story. And the reason why I played that, I just want to um, thank George V., former FBI bigwig, and of course the VP here at uh, Red Apple Media. Great, 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 great guy. And he did correct me. The Giants will be playing the Commanders, who just beat the Eagles on Monday night, snapped the Eagles' perfect season, coming up on December the 4th. I'll be at that game, not the Eagles. So thank you for that, George. But the reason why I played that Dewey Cox scene in between this great Donald Trump day on this program and our effort to make sure Tom Sullivan wins in Rockaway is the Katsimatidis family. There's a lot of great things throughout the year. And I'm not blowing smoke up their ass. I've been over this a billion times. My contract is signed. And John is a really smart businessman. You don't become a billionaire by being soft was silly. If I wasn't talented, I wouldn't be doing the show. That's the bottom line. They'd have 19 other people in here and nine people with me. You noticed all these years, they allow me to do the show myself because they've got confidence and they know what's great. John knows what's good and knows what's not. So I'm not going to blow smoke up his butt, but I'm going to tell you that when they have these special days, whether it's celebrating Israeli Independence Day, Greek Day, St. Patrick's Day, the cops, I love that day. Well, tomorrow is our annual turkey drive, and I've never done anything like this before, never. This is my third year now, and we all go down at about 10.30 tomorrow morning 
to this uh, beautiful old church. Beautiful. I think it's a St. John's church. I may be wrong, but I think it is. And it's right by Madison Square Garden. And we usually get a, a, you know, a boatload of folks. A lot of the other talent at this station shows up as well. And over the last couple of years, with the help of me and Todd Shapiro and Chad Lopez and others, we see folks like Dwight Gooden, um, Earl the Pearl Monroe, Ed Cranepool, some real cool local sports legends and politicians, Marshall Kramer, CBS. It's a big deal. And we hand out turkeys to folks who ordinarily uh, would not have a turkey. They just can't afford it. And you talk about intrinsic value. Again, this will be the third year I'm doing this. The last two years I left, made my way to the subway. I was still living in the city at that time. Now I'll have to take the subway to the ferry. But I just felt great. I felt great. The last couple of years, I've done more of that, handing out knapsacks with Tony Oso up and down 7th and 8th Avenue for the homeless, all filled with everything from shampoo to food to coats. I did that the last two years. That was a Dolores thing, actually. But this uh, turkey drive, this is great. And we're doing it again tomorrow. So when I think about turkey and Thanksgiving, after I think about my late father, the last time I saw my dad, was Thanksgiving two years ago, so it's a really difficult holiday for me now. But once I get through all that great family stuff, then I think about Dewey Cox. You too, Lou, same thing? Um, no. No. Well, why not? <laughs> because until you get right with Jesus, you ain't going to be nothing but a big black cox. That's what he said. That was the movie, Dewey Cox. Well, maybe I like, like that. Yeah. Is that a great movie? I, I, I have to remember when I saw it last night. <laughs> oh, don't do this. Don't do this. Why? I, I did see it. No, you didn't. I did. You don't even know who played uh, Dewey Cox. It was the guy who was in the uh, racing movie, too, right? Wasn't that? Uh... John C. Riley. Yeah, John C. Okay. It was he was in Boogie he, Nights. He played the, uh, uh, the brother of uh, Will Ferrell in that movie, that stupid movie Step Brothers. Right. And remember they, that? And also uh, the, the racing movie. He was they, in the racing uh, movie. Talladega Nights. Was he in that, too? Or Days of yes. Thunder? No, no Talladega Nights, right? I guess yes. he did a lot of Will Ferrell's movies, right? Shake and Bake. Right. I don't know what that means. You didn't see Talladega Nights. No, I can't stand Will Ferrell. I, I don't like him. Not, he's either, the most overrated comedic guy. I, Every movie's the same. I agree. Ricky Bobby's the same guy as... But it's still funny. No, it's not. Okay, I I, I told you it wasn't funny. You're yeah. right. Thank it's not you. not funny. You know where he was funny, <laughs> Will Ferrell? His George Bush impression, 43, was brilliant. I mean, off the charts. Dana Carvey did 41, the dad, and uh, Will would do the kid, 43. That was great. And he was actually halfway decent because he wasn't the star in Wedding Crashers. Remember, he would crash the funerals. They would do the weddings. uh, Vince Vaughn, who I love. Because he didn't show up until the end of the movie. Right. It was perfect. The less of him, the better. That's right. That was a good spot for him. Otherwise, I just don't get it. And and they they flock to these movie theaters. It's the same stupid character. Uh, I mean, I used to work with a guy named Dan Levitard, you know. And Levitard would play pieces of Anchorman all day, every day. Yeah, overrated. Something about milk. I don't know. There was some line about milk in that movie. Overrated. Oh, my. Overrated. That's uh, an understatement. Anyway. If you're not first, you're last. Go watch Dewey Cox this year. That is uh, for all of our listeners, for my mother's listeners. Don't forget, this is Naomi's show. All of you have to watch... The Dewey Cox story this year for Thanksgiving. Kind of like you would watch 
What's that Jimmy Stewart it's movie that one, Bernie loved? It's yeah. a wonderful, not even in the same category. Are you kidding? Same exact category. Absolutely not. Equally That's, as brilliant. No, universes away. There's no movie oh, like It's a Wonderful Life. What are you talking There's about? no movie like that. Don't even try. Let me tell you again. No, don't the, tell me anything Dewey again. Cox That's story dumbest, on Thanksgiving. That's the dumbest is, no, thing you've ever du- said. No, no, no. I've said something dumb. Trust me. No, just, no, give me, give no, me a little more time. I, I, no. but, but the fact is, this is not even for up debate, the Dewey Cox story on Thanksgiving is exactly what It's a Wonderful Life is to Christmas. It's exactly the same thing. Exactly. <laughs> okay. All right. You are on a planet that has not been charted yet okay. by by the Hubble telescope. All right, there's no millions of people that agree with me. Just, no, they, you know. no, no, they don't. Okay. No, they won't. You want to? Uh, they will not watch agree this. with you. Okay. What? Yeah. Put the phone lines up right now. Okay. Let's Phone's go. Up. Put them up. Put them up. Let's go. Okay. Dewey Cox. And uh, it's a wonderful life. Well, no one's calling yet, but yeah, you. Well, I haven't given out the number. That's why, yeah. and I, I don't have time to do it now because I have to do the clip of the day. But yeah. I would have been right. Well, you're last in that. Traffic and sports are coming up next. Completely out of your mind. So, what do you think? I can't wait. <laughs> I, I haven't watched. I can't wait for Cisco. Uh, Cisco. I watched, uh, okay. Well, here's the thing. If you haven't seen it, I don't expect you to give me a, an answer. I get it. I want you to watch the movie. Then you'll come in and say exactly what I said. The Dewey Cox story to Thanksgiving is exactly what It's a Wonderful Life is to Christmas. What do you think, Justin? Uh, Dewey Cox. Dewey Cox. He has no idea because he hasn't seen both movies. I've, yes, never, I, 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 I've never seen a uh, – what's the other one? <laughs> See, all right. I've He's never not, seen the other one. And I totally uh, disagree with you, by the way, on Will Ferrell. Uh, He's hilarious in all of his oh, movies. Oh, you do agree classic. with that. Step Brothers is one of the greatest movies of my no, generation. So you disagree, disagree with me. Disagrees. I disagree. With you. Right, because yeah. you're, you're millennials. You're Step stupid. Brothers, Step no Brothers is, is almost if... Uh, all right. If, I didn't yeah, ask okay. about yeah, that. I didn't ask you about that. It's a top three movie of my generation. It's comedy. It's horrible. It's horrible. What Animal House is to you, Step Brothers almost is to me. Well, that shows how stupid you are, to be honest. I mean, I've got Animal House. I've got Stripes. I've got Airplane, I've got Caddyshack, and you've got yeah. Step Brothers. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've, oh, my I've, God. Step Brothers is like the Citizen Kane. Step Brothers. I've got to play Rita Cosby. The Hangover. Oh, how, you, know. you don't want to miss the clip of the day. It's, it's the, the best part, it's the the best part of the show. Yeah. I've got Superbad. I've got... That's a great movie. you got one. I'm just wondering when I can go back on the air. <laughs> when you guys are done. Where's Naomi? She's the host. <laughs> right. Bernard McGurk. Bernard has been a friend of mine for so long. And Sid, you too. Sid Rosenberg. Not good, great. Bernie and Sid in the morning. I love you guys. I listen to you every morning and walk around the house laughing my butt off. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. America was prospering and our country was on track for an amazing future because I made big promises to the American people and unlike other presidents, I kept my promises. I kept them. Something is wrong with their thinking. Under Biden and the radical Democrats, America has been mocked, derided, and brought to its knees, perhaps like never before. But we are here tonight to declare that it does not have to be this way. I will ensure that Joe Biden does not receive four more years in 2020. Ladies and gentlemen, distinguished guests, and my fellow citizens, America's comeback starts right now. Adrenaline running through my veins and my skeleton 
When you say my name and the high, no, it never goes away. Like jumping out of airplanes and swimming with the sharks. That existential feeling when you're staring at the stars. There's a hurricane in my head, but the lightning in my heart makes it worth it. Yeah, I still get nervous. When you walk through the door and you look in my eyes, yeah, it feels, yeah, it feels like the very first time I could fall for you forever. I'm certain, cause I still get nervous when your lips hit my lips and the fireworks fly, send the sparks through the air like the fourth of July. I could fall for you forever. I'm certain, cause I still get nervous. Well, you can't believe what every just happened. <laughs> that was Donald Trump from last night telling everybody we're about to make America great again. And he was great last night. We've been talking about this now for an hour and 46 minutes. He was measured. It wasn't low energy. He was just terrific, you know. So I joined this Truth Social thing a couple of months back, which is Donald Trump's social media site, at New York Best Morning. At New York, NY, NY Best Morning. So I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, but I do go to Truth Social. And when I go there, there's like four or five people that are incessant about their posting. Dan Bongino's one of them. Tulsi Gabbard is one of them. You'll get a Janine Pirro every now and then, a Brian Kilmeade every now and then. But these other people, they don't stop. And the worst of all of them is Sebastian Gorka. So I don't know much about Gorka. I, mean, I know that every time I put Sean Hannity's TV show on a couple of years ago, it seemed like he was on, you know. And when I would go to these, these events every year, this uh, Mark, what's his name, Michael Harrison puts on, Talkers Magazine, this guy would always be a speaker. And I never understood why. Like, I don't know who he is or what he does. I still don't know. No idea. I think he's got a crappy radio show on Salem. I don't even know. So I say to Jen Grodd, I go, well, Trump's about to speak. Nobody kisses Trump's ass, not even Sean Hannity or me or Bernie, God rest his soul, more than Gorka. So let's put uh, Gorka on. Great. So Jennifer Grodd goes out, and she books Gorka for now, 7.40 this morning. Okay. We come back from the break after sports. I say, Lou, you're going to play that Donald Trump cut. is an inside baseball for you. You're going to play this John Legend song, and we're going to bring on Gorka. So during the break, I noticed that the guest line was lit, which means somebody was on the guest line. And then I noticed quickly after, less than 60 seconds, that the guest line wasn't lit anymore. Now, just so you folks know, oftentimes guests will call in during the break. They don't want to sit on hold for two minutes, so they'll call back. So I just assumed, yeah, that was probably Gorka. He's calling back. So I hit the button in here, which allows me to talk to Lou and Macedonia Phil on the other side of the glass. And I go, hey, Bill, was that Gorka? And he said, yes. I said, well, where'd he go? And the response I got from Phil was absolutely shocking. And I'm going to say this right now. No one, except for Bernie, no one has been more supportive of President Trump than me done a complete 180 from the guy you met back in 2016. But Sebastian Gorka will never be on this show again. I don't care what he does. 
I don't care who likes him. I don't really know who he is. I've never been a fan. I don't even know why he's famous outside of his accent. Phil, give me the response you got from uh, this dickhead, Sebastian Gorka. <laughs> when you try to put him on, what, what happened there? No, nah, he just seemed annoyed because I called him a few times and went to voicemail. It would like ring a couple of times. Why would he be annoyed? Him. He's supposed to be a guest on this show. Listen, I'm not defending the guy. He came right. off as, you know, not a nice person, so I don't care. Uh, what was the last thing he said to you? Well, he, it was this is the entire phone call. I, you know, who is this? Who is this? And I said, it's 77 WABC. I told him I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm at the airport. And then he hung up. Well, that's a lie because... He was initially scheduled to come on at 9.05, and then Jennifer Grad called him back and said, can you do 7.40? And he said yes. So what do you mean he told us? To to add to the lore of this, uh, he just posted a video uh, six minutes ago on Twitter of him at the airport talking about the uh, the whole Trump thing. The whole Trump thing. So I I think I was trying to call him while he was filming that, and he kept getting annoyed. That would cut him off. Call him again right now. Just call him. I don't care. In fact, do me a favor. Off the air, of course. Just keep calling up the next five minutes. I'm being serious. Okay. Who are you loyal to here? Me or Gorka? Just call him. Call him. Keep calling him. All right. Make that mother ever so annoyed that you ruin his whole morning. Okay. Ruin his whole flight. Ruin everything. Call him right now. Okay. And tell him that, listen, you said you were coming on. Don't yell at me. I'm Macedonia Phil. You don't know who the hell you're talking to. Okay. I'll Will you do my, that? I'll put my foot down with Sebastian Gorka. Right. Just do that, please. Okay. So he's never coming back on the show again. And, you know, I actually like what he's been saying on Truth Social, which is the real enemy of the Republican Party is not Donald Trump. You know who the real enemy is? Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell is the real enemy. And he has been adamant on his Truth Social page about that. Screwing just about every Republican candidate, getting them no money, I mean, basically, now listen, Donald Trump could help with that, too. I made this point at the Republican meeting last night as well, that Donald Trump, for all of his quote-unquote endorsements, endorsements are great when they come with money. And Trump didn't get money for anybody. But that's McConnell's job. He didn't do anything. These poor guys and girls are running all over the country and getting no help from their party. So public enemy number one for the Republicans is... A Republican, Mitch McConnell. And I agree with that. So I was excited. Well, maybe excited is a bit of a stretch. But I was looking forward to bringing on Gorka because he was going to explain to you folks why, in fact, Mitch McConnell is the biggest problem in our party and not Donald Trump. But it turns out he's not coming on ever, so. In fact, I'm going to delete him now from my two social. Hold on a second oh, here. Man, this is big time. That's when you know it's serious. Whoa. Everything yeah, else, you it. trash him on air for 12 minutes. But once you delete him from true social, that cannot be I'll tell you, no, no, I'm not going to delete him. First, I'm going to call him an a-hole. Then I'm going to block him, which is the most cowardly, pathetic thing anybody can do, but I'm proud to do it. But so, it's also one of the funniest things yeah, you could ever do. Let me do that now. Let me just call no him a really me. horrible name on here. Oh, okay. And then I'll uh, block him. How does that sound? Why don't you call his voicemail and just... Oh, give me his number, Phil. In fact, I'm not going to call his voice. I'm going to call him. Okay. I don't know who these people think they are. Well, let me ask you this, and we'll end the conversation right here. <laughs> we're not going to end the no, conversation. No, we're not. It's going to be brought up again in 15 minutes, 35 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour and 15 minutes, an hour and 45 minutes. Tomorrow, Friday, but it's, gonna, it's never going to end. But, yeah, okay. Ask away. Here's the question. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to even address what you just said because you're right. Um, would Gorka <laughs> have done the same thing, treated you the same way, 
if, in fact, on the other end of the line was not Macedonia Phil and instead Sean Hannity? I, I Probably not, no. Okay, so that's all you need to know. No. Then he's a real jerk because you should treat everybody the same. That's the beauty about Donald Trump. Maybe that's not true. We'll take that back. I told you I can't do it. I can't do it. The people who are great leaders, and here's where, again, I'll mention John Katsimatidis. I know you get me. He treats everybody the same. Right? It doesn't matter if you're Dan Marino or the guy who's the backup punt returner. If you're on the team, you're on the team. And or see, and I knew, like when I go to these Talkers Magazine things and I see these people speak, and I sit out there, and you know how I am. I measure every one of them. Like, this guy's not as good as me. He's not even close. But he's making millions of dollars. He's on 140 stations. He's got this. He's got that. And on my worst day, my show is better than his. And Gork is always one of those guys. I don't understand why people like this guy. It's got to be the accent. I mean, he's a Trump supporter. People love that. I get it. He's a staunch Republican, I get it. But what is so interesting about Gorka? Give me something. What has he done in his life, Dutch? I, um, I Nothing. Turned, you don't know anything, right? I, I turned to these guys and said, now what does this guy do? Exactly. I yeah, don't know. I don't even know who he is. Um, I don't know who he is. No, I mean, know I know again, things. he's a very popular radio host. He's been on TV. You know, Trump loves him. Get all that. He is a somebody, obviously, in the media world today. But he ain't nearly, nearly... Enough to treat <laughs> Phil like that. No. He's yeah. dead to us now. He's dead to us. That's right. That's it. That's it. Let's keep calling him. Now. All right. Call him back, Phil. 1-800-848-WABC. <laughs> 1-800-848-9222. Lydia reports. Congressman Peter King. Hall of Fame boxing trainer Teddy Atlas. And your phone calls. You watched Donald Trump last night. What did you think? Low energy or brilliant? I think the latter. We'll talk to you coming up next. And the fireworks fly, sending sparks through the air like the 4th of July. I'll go over you forever, I'm certain. Because I still get nervous. Ernie and Sid in the morning. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. We will fight with every measure of our strength and with every ounce of our energy to lift up the working men and working women of America and to restore the fabric of this nation. The radical left Democrats have embraced an extreme ideology of government domination and control. Our approach is the opposite, one based on freedom, values, individual responsibility, and just plain common sense. It's common sense. Take my photo off the wall if it just won't sing for you. Cause all that's left has gone away and there's nothing there for you. To prove
Jet, look what you've done. That was Trump from last night, and I'm on the air now for two hours telling her I thought he was great last night. And for my friends Bo Deedle and Pete King and a lot of you, actually, the last couple of weeks coming out of the woodwork, don't try to hop back on it on that uh, Trump bandwagon. No, don't do it. We're not letting you back on. That's it. You're done. That's it. Because I know you sat there last night and said, oh, my God, he's the right guy. Not like Ron DeSantis. He's fine. He's cute. Does a good job in Florida. I mean, folks, if you think running Boca Raton is like dealing with the uh, president of Venezuela, then there's something wrong with you. you know? Then you're like, oh, my God, this guy, I really miss this guy. The way he talked about Joe Biden last night, the way he talked about the Democrats, what they've done to this country. And he did a very good job of laying out what he did well. He did a lot well, a lot well, a lot well. But then COVID came and they destroyed him. That's fine. And he has spent the last couple of years making an ass out of himself, I agree, yelling and screaming at everybody and blaming everybody and the rigged election. And he didn't do any of that last night. I, again, before I get to Andrew Giuliani, I'm speaking at this Republican club. I'm out of my league, I admit it, but I'm funny. I'm entertaining. I'm cute. They like me. Um, but, I, you know, this is not my gig. But I do it now all the time, and they do seem to like it. And I'm explaining to people, they, all they want to hear about is, uh, they, all they want to talk about is voter fraud. I go, I, I, I. listen, I know voter fraud exists. We talked about the Tom Sullivan race here early this morning. It's getting screwed every day. Carrie Lake, I get it. But Trump can't be the messenger for that. He has spent the last two years obsessing about that, and we don't care anymore from him. I'm not saying Republicans shouldn't try to fix it. Of course they should. It's a big problem but not from Trump. Trump's message needs to be very clear. I built it. I feel the dreams. They destroyed it. Here's the good news. I can rebuild it again. That's it. And that's exactly, I'm no genius, but if you were in that shul last night and you walked out early, which some of you did, guess who was right? I was right. Because you didn't talk about rigged elections. Then bash Ron DeSantis. He talked about what he did right and how he can fix it again. I had Andrew Giuliani on this show yesterday. He said the same thing down in Palm Beach. He dropped by Mar-a-Lago this morning. He said Trump needs to deliver that message, and that's what he did. So here he is, uh, my dear friend, back again today, the great Andrew Giuliani. Uh, Drew, what's the weather this morning in Palm Beach? Uh, it's, I think, one degree colder than it was yesterday. So it's only 80 today. (laughs) Very, very, very nice. I actually, you you sent me a picture of you and your precious little daughter, Grace, yesterday. And uh, I may be wrong, but you almost look like suntan to me, sunburned something. You get that that, uh, Giuliani tan. It's different than mine, but I thought you had it. You know, I wish that I had the Italian skin color. I, I unfortunately, I just have the Italian appetite. I never actually got the <laughs> olive skin tone. It's the other way around. Unlike you, which you know seems to be always tan. It can be the middle of February and Sid has a perfect tan. Yeah. So uh, wow. you know, it's one of those one of those things. That yeah. Well, you look good though. The picture was great, and you and the baby look great. So yesterday, uh, you said what I've been saying for a long time, and you're smarter than me, and you worked with Trump for four years, and that was lay off the name-calling, lay off the rest of the rigged election nonsense, and deliver a message of positivity that'll make Americans feel like, you know what, I really miss you. And regardless of what David Axelrod or Jeb Bush or these morons are saying this morning, that's exactly what Donald Trump did last night. Did you see the same thing? I did. You know, I think uh, in looking back at it, I was able to catch uh, – I, I, I didn't actually catch the full speech last night. I'm going to be going back and watching it today. 
But in the pieces that I saw, and certainly what you've highlighted, Tim, I think it's exactly what we talked about yesterday, which is Americans want to hear about a plan moving forward, about a plan for our country, about how we're going to fix inflation, about how we're actually going to go and deal with this crisis at the southern border, which is now literally affecting our city here in New York, about how we're going to help cities like New York, like Chicago, like Boston that are struggling with with uh, crime increases all across the country. Uh, And I think he laid out a plan there for that. I think what's going to be very interesting in the coming months is by him announcing so early, he is putting so much of, I think, his chips in Herschel Walker's basket, because we're going to move on once we, once we assess all this. And once we get to Thanksgiving, obviously, you know, that there are already so many different political consultants. There's so many different people that are pouring in to volunteer for Georgia for that 50th Senate seat for Republicans. I think a lot of Trump's early success in 2023 in coalescing is going to be based on whether or not he can get Herschel Walker over the finish line or not. And that's whether or not he shows up in Georgia Mm. or not, because he's, as we know, he's a presence, whether he's there or not. Well, he already screwed up once in Georgia. And again, no one loves Trump more than me, and you could hear that every day, but I'm also critical, and he already screwed up once in Georgia. Uh, I don't know if he'll do that. I mean, I think he's so focused on himself, and probably doesn't even realize that Herschel Walker is involved in a runoff in a couple of weeks. So I don't know. But, you know, he was very angry with Ron DeSantis. He felt like Ron DeSantis wasn't very gracious. And that's ridiculous. You know, maybe the first time he won the gubernatorial, yes. But DeSantis has already served. He's won again. I think we're past that point with Ron. But what about Mike Pence? Pence is on with Brett Baer last night saying there are better choices out there. As you and I are speaking right now, Mike Pence is on Fox and Friends saying the same type of thing. So if there's anybody who's been disloyal, it's not really DeSantis, it's Pence. But Pence will make the argument, hey, he put my family in danger. He wanted me hung, you know, in Herald Square. What do you think is really going on here between Mike Pence and Donald Trump? Well, I think Mike Pence is trying to sell a book. And as he knows, as the best way to sell a book is, not by, uh, is by making sure that you're creating headlines. And that's ultimately what Mike Pence is doing. Uh, I know that they have talked. I don't know if they've talked recently, but I know that they have talked uh, over the last year. I, I don't think they've talked much recently from what it sounds like. And then certainly uh, from the, the last time that I saw the president a while back. Um, but I think he's trying to sell a book at this point, and okay. I think Pence is also trying to figure out his political path. He's trying to figure out if there's a way that he can that he can make a run for a nomination. I don't I don't see that for Pence. You can see that for a guy like like DeSantis or maybe Youngkin or, or maybe Pompeo if if the cards align. I, I think Pence sealed his fate a, a long time back. Um, but I think right now, uh, you know, th- there's a there's an old saying that life is a struggle for relevance. And I think that's what Mike Pence Interesting. Uh, is, yeah. is looking at right now. I think he's looking for his spot. I think he's looking right to try to figure this out and try to see if there is a path for him. Yeah, there's no path. You, you name some of the yeah. folks that uh, <laughs> there may be a path for. And, you know, to Trump's credit last night, he didn't talk about a primary down the road. He didn't talk about winning the Republican Party first. He talked about fixing stuff. So it was assumed yeah. in his speech last night that he was going to win the primary and go on and take on Joe Biden or somebody else there. But we know better. If, in fact, Ron DeSantis decides to run, it's going to be a bloodbath. Bottom line, Trump will will go after him in a big, big way. If DeSantis doesn't decide to run, and I think he will, but if he doesn't, then I don't really see anybody, Andrew, that could, A, give Donald Trump a real fight, or, B, 
would make Trump angry enough to go after them like he does DeSantis because clearly he's jealous of some of Ron's popularity. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think here's one of the things that I think is very different from 2016 to 2022 as well. You got to remember in 2015 and early 2016, Trump was getting a ton of airtime in talking about Jeb, in talking about Lion Cruise and Fox, MSNBC. Remember, he'd go on Morning Joe all the time. He was just owning airtime, owning airtime. You can already see the difference in Fox's strategy in terms of covering Trump. They're going to give him as little airtime as possible, and they're going to give DeSantis as little airtime as possible. So I think he's got to be very very, very careful in who he criticizes uh, amongst fellow Republicans who may choose to run because he's not going to get all the free airtime that he got last time. If he does what he did last night, Sid, where he focuses on solutions, he talks about his policy victories, and he says this is how we're going to update this plan for January 20th, 2025, when I become the 47th president of the United States, then I think he's got not only an incredible chance to win the nomination, but to actually be the 47th yeah, president. Yeah, I agree with you. I just, I just don't have any confidence, and I hate saying this because right. he's my overwhelming choice, but I've got zero confidence that he could maintain the class and the focus that he showed last night. I mean, you know he's just he's a, a second away from going crazy and it's going to show itself at some point, and it's going to disappoint me and everybody else. But if he can somehow not do it, yes, he's going to win. But the odds of him not doing it, Andrew, are slim to none. Well, well, you know, Sid, last night also shows me that I think Trump realizes that his back is somewhat up against the wall. And I mean this because every single time that I've seen Trump, whenever he gets his back up against the wall, whether it's on a policy, maybe his approval rating is kind of lower. He, that's when he is as disciplined as, he's ever, as he ever gets. You can go back to the 2016 campaign, and you can look at when he was criticizing the, um, uh, the cons. Uh, whose son passed away. Yes. Uh, well, listen, you, you be careful with, you know, the criticizing, you know, the Gold Star family yeah. because... When, yeah, it wasn't great. I'm not sure he caught on... Yeah, I guess he did. You're right. Go ahead. Keep going. You know, you know it, it was just one of those things where he probably, you know, as, as a presidential nominee, probably should not have done it. But basically what happened was his approval rating goes down. He ends up having a, a dip in the polls against Hillary, and he gets disciplined back on message. And I remember that the next month, was one of his best months in terms of actually talking about the problems that Americans wanted to hear and the solutions they wanted to see solved. I think right now what he's realized is if DeSantis gets in, he's going to have a real challenge. He needs to stay disciplined. I think he probably realized that with a little bit of the backlash that he's been hearing since he he criticized him and called him Ron DeSanctimonious. Uh, And (laughs) I think that's why – I think that's why – um, yeah, I think that's why you saw such a disciplined Trump last night, and, and I'm hopeful that that continues. I, I hope, I hope that maybe he he's been able to see all this and and, and be able to push back. But again, you, you never know; it could just be uh, you know one truth away. I guess. Yeah, you know the um, the DeSantis thing is funny because, and I love Ron, and I still go to Florida all the time, and he's a great governor. And, and believe me when I tell you, if Ron DeSantis won, I would not be upset. I'd be thrilled. To, I'd be joyed. I'd be overjoyed. You know. Um, Trump is still my guy, but I'd love it if Ron DeSantis won. But for all the folks, Andrew Giuliani, that are so quick to credit Ron DeSantis for his political policy, he stole all of it from Trump. Not one idea. I'm being serious. Not one idea 
that Ron DeSantis has expressed from his stance on immigration to the economy, not one was his. What he's done basically is, I'm going to take all of Trump's policies and not freak out, and people like Bo Deedle and Pete King are going to love me. But those aren't his policies. Those are Donald Trump's. Yeah, I think probably what people love more about DeSantis right now or why DeSantis is kind of the uh, the hot new girl in town, if you will, uh, is probably what he does not bring to the table more than what he even brings to the table. Right. If you look at the positives and the pros of both Trump and DeSantis, uh, I mean, I guess you could say you look at the Parental Rights and Education Act. That was something that, that was really big. Yeah. Oh, wait, 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 you mean yeah, the, you mean the you mean the don't say gay uh, act? You mean even though it never <laughs> says anything in there, even though that those three words never show up uh, in there. But that's exactly right. What the left yeah. media likes to call the don't say gay bill, which is actually the Parental Rights and Education Act. Uh, that's something that he was able to implement. But then again, you can go back and, and you can look at what President Trump released with his 1776 plan, which was. In twenty in twenty twenty, it was during the pandemic, so it didn't get a lot of coverage. But a lot of that was based off of this. So I'm certainly uh, not here saying that Ron DeSantis came up and said, uh, "Hey, I- I've got a whole new way of doing this." I think he looked at a lot of the successes that Trump had and said, "Hey, I want to implement this in the third largest state in the country," uh, and-, and that's why he's having the success that he is. I don't think he's he's created something from uh, from scratch, if you will. That's but right. He's looked at Trump's recipe. And he said, you know, I'm going to take all this good stuff. I'm going to maybe uh, take away uh, some of the, uh, you know, 17 tweets or truths about uh, other Republicans. And uh, I'm, I'm going to mix this up and see what we have. And, and that's why people have been coming down to Florida. And, and, uh, and, and that's why I'm spending a little vacation time with my family here because it's a free state. You feel I, I remember doing this. Actually, I remember coming down here, Sid, during uh, right after the White House. So it was February of 2021. And coming down here when every the world's masked up, this and that, it came down. And it really, at that point, it felt like a different country. Yes. It felt like you were in a completely different place. I just remember after yep. 36 hours sitting outside uh, looking at the ocean and thinking, this place is just the, the freest place I feel yep. like I've ever been yep. because of what you'd gone through for the last year. No, I did the same thing. We went to the Diplomat Hotel for four days. Nobody wore a mask. Yeah. And as soon as we got back to Kennedy Airport, everybody was wearing a mask. It was gross. Uh, you know, one of the things, uh, as we wrap this up, Andrew, you and I get along so well, we become really best friends, is because yeah. we've got a lot in common. You know, you're a great father, uh, the way I treat my children. Uh, obviously, the also, love and respect. I threw away my Kyrie Irving jersey, so that, yes. that, that helped, too. Yes, you love you the Jews. Yes, you love the Jews. Yep, yep, and we're both right. big sports fans. Big, big sports <laughs> fans. And you're a Yankee fan. I'm a Met fan. That's okay. But I did yep. make the, the statement earlier that as a big sports fan, whether it's Lakers, Celtics, Giants, Cowboys, Yankees, Red Sox, Red Wings, Avalanche, I don't care. But we're about to watch the next two years will blow away any great rivalry in the history of sport between the primary and the presidential election, where would you rather be than with WABC for the next two years? That's a great point, and you're absolutely right. I mean, this is going to be two heavyweights going at each other for the next two years. I just hope, like you, that we're talking about policy. We're talking about different ways. We can see the nuances because I think when that ends up happening, and I think I think a lot about this in terms of the primary that I just had with Lee Zeldin and Rob Astorino. Yeah, there were times where it got a little bit ugly in there. How come, no how, come you always, how come you always leave out Harry Wilson? He was there too. <laughs> and, there, 
and Harry, and of course Harry, and of course there. <laughs> you know, good question. We actually should have Harry on and talk through that. Maybe he'll say, you know, the primary he had with uh, Lee Delvin and Rob Astorino and that other guy. I don't know. I don't know who that other guy is. But, um, but you talk about when you talk about policies and you go around the country and you're able to push this stuff and you get Trump in Iowa, you get DeSantis in New Hampshire, and they're talking about things that are going to help Americans. Guess what? That's multiple messengers that are pushing through what we believe are good conservative ideals, which I believe has shown time and time again to help push freedom in our country. If they can do that, then uh, – and I'm not saying that there won't be a little bit of sniping back and forth. I think part of that is just human nature. But I just want to see 90 percent of this focused on really what can help Americans. If we can do that. If Trump can do that, if DeSantis continues to stay disciplined on that, then whoever the nominee coming out of the Republican convention in 2024 is going to be primed not only to win the presidency, but is going to be primed to be a change agent come 2025. And that's really what you want to win. As much as you want to win, as much as you want your side to win, you want Republicans to win, you want them to go in to start to change Washington. You don't just want them to go in to say, my side won. What are they going to do for four years? Ah, nothing. You want them to come on in and take the actions that President Trump was able to take in Washington, D.C. That's what he highlighted last night. That's why he was so effective in office, and that's what I hope he continues to highlight throughout this campaign. You like um, Sebastian Gorka? I've, I've, you know what? Gorka was in the White House probably for about four or stop, five months. Stop, stop right there. One of the it, best stop. voices. No, he's One a, of the best voices. He's a jerk-off. <laughs> what did he do? What did he do now? <laughs> well, he was supposed to come on the show at 740 this morning, and when your really? friend and mine, Macedonia Phil, called him, very yeah. innocently, Gorka started yelling at Phil that he was at the airport, not to bother him, and he's not coming on. Oh my goodness! Well, was that was that Gorka's fault or Macedonia's? Gorka's fault. fault. It was Gorka's fault. Yeah. Well, what the heck, Sebastian? Okay, I'll have to give him a call and say, "Hey, look, you do not insult Sid Rosenberg like this, and and certainly you do not insult Lou Rufino and Macedonia Phil like this." I mean, <laughs> Sid's one thing, but I mean, to, to Phil and yeah. to throw Phil under the bus like this—I mean, you know, that's, yeah. that's trouble. That's terrible. I mean, when that's Andrew terrible. Giuliani says, "I'm going to call," he really is going to call him. That's going to be the funny part. He's going to hang up with me. He's going to call Sebastian and go, "Don't do that to the kid, Phil. He's a good kid." And I, Phil's all upset now. He's crying. He wants to go home. You know, it's terrible. It's terrible. First off, I'm going to see where he is. If he's been to an airport today, he probably is also on the beach or something like that at Mar-a-Lago or something. <laughs> probably never even close to the airport today. I'm sure he is. Hey, listen. Uh, as always, a great appearance. Thank you so much for coming on this morning. Again, great, great, great information. Enjoy the rest of your time in Florida. I'll leave you alone now. I promise you the next couple of days. I'll see you when you get back, Andrew. Thank you so much. Thanks, Sid. We'll talk to you later. All right, folks. There he is, Andrew Giuliani, once again, making a great appearance on the Sid Rosenberg Show, 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. Still a lot more to come, including the great congressman turned Trump backstabber, Pete King, my good friend, and Hall of Fame boxing trainer Teddy Atlas, his annual big event on Staten Island. Going to go down tomorrow night at the Staten Island Hilton. We'll talk to both of those guys. Plus, you never know. More surprises along the way. Stay right here with WABC on your hump day Wednesday.
This is the 77 WABC Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Wall Street posting a third straight winning session. Yesterday's producer price index better than expected. Another sign inflation may have reached its peak. More retail news today. Wall Street expecting a 1% increase in overall sales from September to October. Gas spending will likely be the biggest factor. Still, economists are forecasting spending to have remained strong in spite of higher interest rates and inflation. Target headlining retail earnings today. Target expected to post a modest increase in sales year over year. Inventory issues have plagued Target the previous two quarters. The full year outlook could show the retailers back on track. Chipmaker NVIDIA will report third quarter results. Wall Street targeting a 16% decline in sales, a 23% decline in overall earnings. NVIDIA stock down nearly 50% this year. Please join me several times each weekday right here on 77 WABC. This is the Lou Dobbs Financial report. Keep listening for more to 77 WABC for the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Greatest albums ever, I really believe that's true. August and everything after, from round here to Mr. Jones to this one to Perfect Blue Buildings, Murder of One. Okay, yes, blah, 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 we got it. Okay. You think I like him? God. He's horrible in concert, though. I saw him in concert. So did I. I hated it. Really? Up in Bethel Woods. Oh, I hated it. Oh, hated it. Oh. And I couldn't wait. It was like my, you know, because I like the Goo Goo Dolls and Train and the Fray and all those types of bands. But this one, Counting Crows, I mean, I... I know we use this word a lot, but I do think Adam Thoreau is a genius. I do. And he just stood there and pontificated no. like a poet. And no. I'm like, sing the epping song. No, that doesn't sound like him. Yeah, I know. No, you mean he was like a little full of himself? Oh. A little bit? But I guess when you bang the whole cast of Friends, you can be that way. He had every one of them. Right. Why not? I don't think he had Jennifer Aniston, but he had, uh, who's a tall, doofy, blonde one? Oh, Lisa Kudrow. Phoebe. Who was Phoebe? Kudrow. Yeah, Kudrow. Courtney Cox got her. And um, he probably had um, Matthew Perry, too, because he was high. Mr. Jones <laughs> likes your friends. That's <laughs> a great song. Oh. Joseph Abood says, write it down. Ron DeSantis is not running in 2024. He gets his information from No More Garcia Parry. He knows what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what the hell are you th- And then um, Andrew Giuliani said when he hung up the phone in West Palm Beach, his wife, who's beautiful, by the way, Z, said, did you enjoy your latest conversation with your boyfriend? And uh, I said to Andrew, I said, just so you know, 
my wife, beautiful wife Danielle, is also convinced you and I are sleeping together. So we can argue with them or just go with it. Well, if they saw the pictures from here in the studio, be quiet. they'd Don't even tell be anybody. more... Com- well, okay, yeah. sorry. <laughs> I'm the Isn't that a great song? Great, great song. Yes, it's a great song. Peter King is coming up next. So Tuesday night... I've got something to do like every day. It's unbelievable. But Tuesday night, me, Danielle, Peter King, and Peter's lovely wife, Rosemary, are going out for dinner. So um, I usually take Peter out. We go to, I've taken him out twice. We took him to Michael's in Brooklyn, and we took him to uh, Gorgiulo's in Coney Island in Brooklyn. But this time, uh, we, uh, we said to Peter, you and Ro, you make the decision. Okay. So he picked some place on Long Island. I think it's in Elmont, the home of Vinnie Testaverde. And I think it's called King of Umberto's. Do you know this place? King of Umberto's on Long Island? Is it the Clam House? It's not the cl- No, it's not. That's in Little Italy you're talking yeah, about. I think the Openingo commercial. Uh, Umberto's! No, this one, I think Joe Cairo, who's a bigwig in the Republican Party on the island, has something to do with it. Either way... It's Tuesday night, Peter and Rosemary King, Sid and Danielle Rosenberg at uh, some Italian restaurant in um, Long Island. So. Check your gun. <laughs> and then Wednesday night, <laughs> the night after, I've got horrible gas. Okay. I'm getting old. <laughs> the night after, at least the, there's a dinner on the table, would be dinner number two. It's on the table with Eric Adams, the mayor, and his wife, Tracy. And me and Danielle, because last time the mayor came, he came alone and had dinner with me and Danielle. Now he's going to take his wife. I mean, he liked Danielle, and they had a nice conversation. And important stuff, you know, education. And it was a, it was a very good dinner, very productive, I would think. Oh, because we're going to have to continue to pivot and shift. That's fine. I told you you can't play that oh, stuff I anymore. Forgot. That's oh, it. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, I forgot. No more. That's it. You can't make fun of the mayor anymore. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We're friends now, so until you get a plate of cold calamari. Well, I mean, if you, listen, okay. you're Got always like Sebastian Gorker this morning. You, you just. You know, you, you'd screw up once, and that's it. I, I, I'm done, you know. Oh, I wonder who else was like that, Lewis, over the years. Wait a second. I wonder who else was like that. You come on the show for 40 years and be great, and if, you, if one day you decided to do the Today Show instead of his show, how did that go for Don Imus? He used to hate that. Remember that? Oh, okay, oh yes. if he had, like, an author on, and they were on first with, like, the Today Show or CBS, he was like, why are they on before? They're here. Don't bring them on. Oh, anyway, um, tomorrow night I've got this Teddy Atlas Foundation dinner on Staten Island. That is a great event. There is, there's no event all year, all year that I've been to, that has more celebrities. His celebrity dais is amazing. And that's at the Hilton tomorrow. It's every year. And then I tell you what I'm looking forward to this is Tunnel to Towers. My dear friend Frank Siller who I love. Frank knows I love him. In fact, the last time I was on Fox and Friends, we were together in the green room. He was on right before me. And we're having this, uh, this dinner at the Marriott Marquis. And uh, they're honoring uh, John and Margo, which is, um, it should be. That's the greatest couple in New York City. And the whole station. And we've got this beautiful gala coming up on that night. I'm not going to say the date because of security reasons, of course. <laughs> but we've I've got all this really, and then I've got the Little North Pole event at Joe Murray's house, the very very successful attorney, where he has me and Stephen Van Zandt, little Stevie, 
and a host of other famous people showing up at his house where his house has won cash prizes for being the nicely, the most decorated Christmas house in the country. All this happening in like two weeks, Lewis. Like two weeks. And then I still come in every morning and for four hours give you nothing but energy and great radio. Who else can do that? The answer? Nobody. I didn't even get a chance to answer. Yeah, you're right. Let's start that over. Okay. The answer, Lewis? Um, I'm, I'm going through my notes. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Hang on a second. Who's on the uh, guest line, Phil? It's Sebastian Borka. He did call in? Yes. yes. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. All right, put him on. Okay. Is it really him? No, it's no. not him. <laughs> Who is it? King. Why does he call so early? He likes you. I know. He likes I don't, to listen. Like why, why are you getting mad at that? Why would you know. get mad at that? I don't get mad. I just, you, you know. You yelled. Well, like we'll Sebastian go... Gorka yelled at me earlier. I'm fine. We'll go to traffic then right away. <laughs> so either they don't they don't call at all, they don't want to be on, or they're calling too early. Right. I mean, it's it's like, you know, the porridge. There's got to be something in the middle. Joe Nolan, how are you, big guy? Oh, I'm doing great, Seth. How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> you having fun today, aren't you? Oh, this is hilarious. You uh, guys are great. This is really fun today. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. People are showing up. They're not showing up. You get king on the phone. You're going to dinner with this guy. You're the mayor. You don't make fun of anymore. And no more. That's it. Don't play it again. Play it one no. more time right now, quick. Just one more time, and that's it. That's it. This is the last time we're not going to play it again. Go ahead. Play it quick. What do you mean? That's it? That's it. One more time. Let's play it right now. That's it. And do. Right. That's it. <laughs> play one more. One more. <laughs> yeah, <wait. laughs> That's fine. Go ahead, Joe. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no worries. We're good. <laughs> hey, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, what do we got? We did a soft opening. Uh, oh, that's enough. Seriously, thank you. Thank you. Come on. <laughs> that's tough. Okay. I'm going to have it removed from the system. I'm going to have Matt Meany delete everything today because you just, I can't trust you. Oh, we're going to have to continue <laughs> I to said, play one thing. You're, you're still going. Five now. <laughs> Joe, please do the traffic. I'm begging you. I want to rock. Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. America was prospering and our country was on track for. An amazing future because I made big promises to the American people, and unlike other presidents, I kept my promises. I kept them. Something is wrong with their thinking. Under Biden and the radical Democrats, America has been mocked, derided, and brought to its knees, perhaps like never before. But we are here tonight to declare that it does not have to be this way. I will ensure that Joe Biden does not receive four more years in 2020. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, distinguished guests, and my fellow citizens, America's comeback starts right now. So hot. I almost want to get naked when he says that. I swear. America's comeback starts right now. Oh, man, is he great. Well, my next guest, what can I say? He's become one of my best friends. I just talked about our great dinner coming up. He's uh, really tremendous on this show every Wednesday. For four decades, he was one of the greatest politicians, along with Rudy, if not the greatest in the history of New York. He really was. Homeland Security, Long Island, and now he's a mega superstar on this station, on with me, on with John Katz and Matides. But he's just another one of these backstabbing Trump haters, you know, that's just very disappointing. But I could, um, I can separate the two. He's still a great friend of mine, even though he's turned his back on the greatest president in the history of our country. Here he is, uh, my friend Peter King. Good morning, Peter. 
Well, now you see why Sebastian Gorka doesn't like it. You know? <laughs> all these insults are thrown at me. I, I'm, I'm with Sebastian. Here we go. <laughs> Before yeah, we get to Trump. Be with you. And if I have a superstar, because yeah. I'm associated with you. So, oh, well, no, yesterday I was going into a meeting, a business meeting, and a woman is sitting at a desk. Her name is uh, Nancy Lombardi. She says, you're my best to sit tomorrow. So even when I go to a business meeting, which has nothing to do with politics, People are talking about Sid. Ah, that's I great. King Umberto's next week. I want people coming up and asking you for autographs. Well, you know what's funny about that is I mentioned Umberto's and Mike Sullivan, Charlie. My phone starts to blow up, and everybody's saying, Sid, that is a great restaurant. You're lucky to be going there. So the reviews, at least, anecdotal. But for my friends are, what a great place. That really is. Uh, Rosario owns it. It's been there for years. It's uh, near the racetrack. It's just a great place. It really is. You know, you should have a good time, but... Let's get down to business. You want All to right. fight with me on Trump, I guess. Well, I don't want to fight with you. I mean, you're lost. Well, can I tell you, you're a very smart guy. You're a great politician. But in this case, I can't help you. You know, I mean, this is how you feel. But there's no way, Peter, because I know you're a very, 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 very smart guy. There's no way. And you know, I think you were even on Newsmax last night. There's no way you can sit there and watch that last night and say, oh, my God, that's the guy we need. You just can't do that. Yeah, but you can't look at it just in a vacuum. Yes, he did give a... You're pretty good speech last night. He stayed on message. But looking at his proven record, he can't stay on message. And uh, also, even though he does appeal to a base and he got things done as president, he was not able to communicate that. I mean, in uh, 2018, we lost more seats in Congress than we lost more than, I guess, half a century. And Donald Trump was the target because he antagonizes, needlessly antagonizes so many people. In 2020, no matter how you add up the votes, he lost by at least six or seven million votes after what should have been a successful term as president. And then between Election Day and January 20th, like needlessly fighting and fighting over whether or not he won or lost the election, then he went to Georgia, and that cost us the two Senate seats there. And that really is the, the main problem we've had, because Joe Biden would not have been able to do what he did if we controlled the Senate. We turned it over, and Biden was able to just ram things through because we lost control of the Senate. And it's because Donald Trump puts his ego first. And that's damaging. A real leader thinks it was country first and also was able to mobilize people. He didn't. And then on January 6th, I know you'd like to pass it over, but to me, to have any president, any patriot, see what was going on at the Capitol, sit there on television and do nothing. Well, again, the place is being torn apart, damage is being done, lives are at risk. And yet, like Kevin McCarthy is on the phone. His friend kept begging him, begging him to call that off, and he wouldn't. His response was, well, I guess the processes like me more than you do. I mean, that, that is disgraceful conduct for a president. It really is. I don't really disagree with a lot of what you're saying. And, uh, you know, I've been very critical of Donald, even when Bernard was alive, God rest his soul, about that day. He was awful. He sat there, you're, and you're right. And, and what really scares me is that I actually think he enjoyed it. He loved the fact those people were out there yelling and screaming his name and doing what they were doing because he's a psychopath. I understand all of that. But for the, uh, at the sake of repetition, that's the guy we need to run this country. Anything short of that just doesn't get it done. But, you know, look, if, you're, uh, if you've had enough and you feel like, look, DeSantis has all the right policies without, the, without all that craziness, I understand that. You think right now if Ron DeSantis ran against Donald Trump, he'd win? He might today. But, again, I'm not endorsing DeSantis. I'm saying we should certainly look at him because on paper he has the qualifications. He took Florida from a state where he won it by, like, less than half a point the last time to a 19-point victory. And he did it even after he had signed a uh, restrictive abortion bill, after he had taken on all these powerful forces, including Disney. Uh, and so he's shown at, at, at a state level, which is one of the largest states in the country, 
that he can manage. And I'm just saying, let's look at it. Maybe, listen, maybe he won't last through a campaign. I mean, there's a lot of good candidates on paper who, you know, once they get hit, as Mike Tyson said, you have a great fight plan. Once you get hit in the mouth, they get hit in the nose, yeah. all that goes out the window. So how, how will Ron DeSantis uh, react when he's, you know, he's being attacked? Because I, I, the one thing I agree with, everything they're saying about Donald Trump, they're going to try and say about Ron DeSantis if he emerges as a front runner. And how will Ron DeSantis respond to that? Maybe Nikki Haley, maybe Tim Scott, uh, maybe Mike Pompeo. I mean, these are all legitimate candidates. Let's take a look at them. And I like to do that, though, before the primaries really start, because you have five people in the primary. Then you get some guy win the primary with 24 percent of the vote. Right. That's true. All right. Well, there it is, folks. Pete King's opinion on Donald Trump last night, shared by many that, yes, he was spot on last night. He stayed on message, but very little trust. He can continue to do that. And he's got two years now before the election. That's an awfully long time for a guy like President Trump, who does not have a lot of patience. Let me move to um, Mitch McConnell for a second, because lots of folks, Peter, believe that Mitch McConnell is the real problem in the Republican Party and not Donald Trump. And I've even heard rumors, or maybe it's more than rumors, that maybe Rick Scott ends up being that guy in, uh, instead of Mitch McConnell. What are your thoughts on McConnell? Is that overstated or is that accurate? No, I have, I've had problems with McConnell. I think I call him the uh, uh, Marie Antoinette of the Senate. That was during <laughs> COVID when he didn't want to give any, any money to New York. I mean, this guy takes care of Kentucky and all the southern states and always try to screw New York. So I'm not a, a fan of Mitch McConnell. Having said that, I'm certainly not a fan of Rick Scott. I mean, this guy was over in Italy on a vacation. He's supposed to be you know, the chairman of the Senate campaign committee. And when he's run, he barely wins by, I don't know, like a point or two in his own state. So I'm not a big Scott fan. I don't know who the alternative is uh, to McConnell right now. And McConnell is not my favorite. But uh, I, as opposed to Rick Scott, I, to me, Scott doesn't doesn't show much. And he was the chairman of the Senate campaign committee. And Again, I my understanding is he was on a vacation in Florida this summer. Yeah, he was. He should have been out there working for the candidates. So yeah. uh, to me, a guy like John Thune from South Dakota is a, a classy guy. I work with him in the House. I've seen him in the Senate. But no, uh, Mitch McConnell adds nothing to the Republican image. I mean, he looks like, uh, I don't know, a frog or something walking around. <laughs> you know, he's just, uh, he's, so. What are you doing? Your best Donald Trump right now? Make fun of his last name, like Yunkin? You know, <laughs> now there was a, a rumor which I have not yet been able to confirm, that last week when Trump went nuts on Youngkin, DeSantis, and a host of others, that he actually called you a loser. Did we confirm that? I saw that in a tweet. I don't know whether he actually said I was, or he was referring to a story in the New York Times. He goes, all, all these people are losers. Now, I don't know whether he actually mentioned me or not, but in the tweets that went out talking about it, they said Trump called uh, King and, uh, and others that were in there <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, losing. So, again, if he did, he's listen. That stuff doesn't bother me. I mean, I even know, listen, I, I grew up in Queens. Uh, when I was uh, face-to-face with Donald Trump, we got along. Uh, we sort of shared a lot of stories together. He was very friendly with my family, I got to say. I, this is not a personal thing, but I, I, no. I, I've been disappointed, that's all. And, that, no. and, and that's really it. Can I switch topics? What is happening with Tom Sullivan? Is the Because, you know, there's always recounts in these tight elections. I hope he has lawyers and the way it's supposed to be done is it's supposed to be before the board of elections and you're supposed to have republicans and democrats in equal numbers monitoring each vote that's being recounted and counted so uh, i assume tom is doing that i and i hope the queen's republican uh, uh commissioners on the board of elections are supporting him on this 
Well, they're not. They're doing nothing. And uh, I did speak to Mark Healy this morning on this program. He's the editor of The Wave. You know the paper, right? And, uh, you know, yesterday, Stacey Amato came out with a statement where she ripped into Tom Sullivan, basically calling him undemocratic, which is amazing. For you folks that don't know, Tom Sullivan is a close family friend of mine, now a friend of Peter King. I've known the Sullivan family for 40 years. All this guy's done is fight wars in Afghanistan, Iraq, Kuwait. He actually took bodies who survived out of the burning buildings, 9-11. And this Stacey Amato, whoever the hell she is, her father's a judge, who cares, was questioning his, his, his allegiance to democracy in Queens yesterday. That's how ugly that's gotten. She sued for a recount. She sued for a recount when she's the one who's finding votes every day. So it looks like on the surface that Tom Sullivan will be another Republican screwed by this fraud. It looks that way, at least. Well, I hope he has lawyers ready to go to court on this, be monitoring this, because we've had that in, in Esau County on both sides where a guy wins and loses by 300 votes, and those recounts can take weeks. It's a winner you go through every voting machine, every absentee ballot, and, of course, now we have the mail-in ballots, which is something new. Uh, so that has to be scrutinized, but you have to have people there at the Board of Elections what, look, you know, looking over their shoulders, fighting over each each ballot. Sort of like we saw in Florida back in 2000 with Gore, or the guy with the magnifying glass looking at the, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, the ballots. Uh, so listen, Tom, you're right. Tom Sullivan is exactly the guy that you want in politics, the guy you want in government. He's almost too, unlike you and me, he's almost too good to be true. 100%. I mean, he's really just a, yep, just a solid citizen. You're right. He is. Great people. He is. They, the whole family, they are great people, yes. You know, you mentioned Nassau County, and I spoke at some Republican club last night on the Upper West Side, and some lady said to me, she said, you know, I didn't get the feeling that Lee Zeldin did enough in his own county, in Suffolk County, to amass enough votes, she thought if he did a better job in Suffolk County, he would have won. I cut, I cut her off right away. So listen, this guy ran a great campaign. He could not have done anything better. At the end of the day, the numbers just were against him. But what about her, her contention that uh, maybe Zeldin did not do enough in Suffolk County? In Suffolk County, he won by over 100,000 votes. And that's far more than the, any split between Democrats and Republicans. Lee won 100, over 100,000 votes in, in Suffolk County. Uh, brought in other candidates with him. And then in Nassau County, where there's, a, I think, 100,000 uh, Democratic vote edge, we carry Nassau County by over 50,000, all four members of Congress for the first time in well over a quarter century from Long Island, from Nassau and Suffolk, are all Republicans. And that's largely uh, because of Lee Zeldin, the campaign that he ran, the people he brought out to vote. So, no, that is just a cheap shot. It's wrong. I mean, Lee, uh, listen, this guy went on. It's easy now to we say, oh, you know, Lee ran a good race. He made it close. You go back into the summer, people thought he never chance. He was just out there, in, in, you know, like uh, not being covered by the media. He's out there just plugging, plugging away. He never stopped. And then when it started to get close, then people jumped in, you know, on the bandwagon. But, no, Lee fought a great campaign. And also in Nassau County, just in the uh, Suffolk County, Jesse Garcia is a great county chairman. In Nassau County, Joe Cairo is a great chairman. The vote got out. And again, I use the example in the, in the district I live in where Anthony D'Esposito was elected. There's 75,000 more Democrats. And yet Anthony D'Esposito won by 11,000, where he was outnumbered by 75,000 votes. In Suffolk County, where Andrew Garbrino's district is mostly there, he won by 20 points. Uh, you had uh, Nicola Loda in uh, uh, at, at the East End taking Lee's district over. He won that by big numbers. Now, that was a, really a great concerted effort. And there's a it was a Democratic uh, Senate district that was basically uh, redrawn to make sure the Democrats won. 
and candidate only won by 2,000 votes. So we made great efforts. We also knocked off three uh, Democratic state senators in Nassau County. So now this is uh, anyone to me, it's, we start off with one premise. Lee Zeldin ran the greatest campaign any Republican could run. He got more votes than any Republicans since Nelson Rockefeller. Yep, that's you true. Know, no, he, he was great. Yep. He, got total, yep. he got people out there. And remember, in the end, they had to bring in every Democratic heavyweight they could find. And they were pulling people out from under the bed or from the closet. You know, Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden, uh, uh, Kamala Harris, AOC. They brought everybody in. They had to do that. The last thing they wanted to do was spend all those using all that firepower in New York, which was supposed to be a 20-point Democratic victory. Instead, Kathy Hochul just really stumbled through to a five-point victory. It was a great, great race by Lee Sullivan. Couldn't agree more. By the way, Healy tells me, Keith Sullivan, no relation to Tom, is the GOP rep on the BOE. You can bet he's fighting hard to keep the vote honest. 20 seconds, i got to run, Peter, uh, to wrap it up in a little bowl. You admit that Trump did a good job last night, but he still has not turned you around. Not yet. No, he hasn't. And I don't stab people in the back. I shoot them from the front, except there's a guy like you, because you're big and strong. So if I take you <laughs> on the eyes, I'll have a hammer or something, you know? Uh, you're great. I can't wait to have dinner with you and Roe on Tuesday night. You're a wonderful guest great. and even better friend. Thank you so much, Peter. You're the best. Thank you, Sid. Bye. The great Pete King right here. we got lots more to do in the fourth and final hour, including... Hall of Fame boxing trainer Teddy Atlas. Everybody loves Teddy in New York. Your phone calls and more. Back with the fourth and final hour right after this. We're doing it live! Hey, Bill O'Reilly here, and you are listening to Bernie and Sid. God help you. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is not a task for a politician or a conventional candidate. This is a task for a great movement that embodies the courage, confidence, and the spirit of the American people. This is a movement. This is not for any one individual. This is a job for tens of millions of proud people working together from all across the land and from all walks of life, young and old, black and white, Hispanic and Asian, many of whom we have brought together for the very, very first time. Just tremendous last night. I think my watch is on too tight. He was great. I got out of the um, West Side Republican Club where I spoke. And that was pretty good, too. Not as good as Trump, though. And I got to my car in time to watch on my cell phone. Boy, modern technology is great. I was like, wait a second. I'm in Manhattan. If I leave Manhattan at 830, I won't be back in Queens till 10. I'm going to miss Trump. And then it occurred to me, I've got a cell phone. I can do everything on this phone. Everything. And I watched Trump from the backseat of Freddie's car on the way home. And it was great. Isn't that amazing? Seriously. That'll be a chat from the backseat of Freddie's car. Yeah. It was great. Saw the whole thing. Missed nothing. And he did not disappoint. He was terrific. How many people on that show are now dead from a Welcome Back Hotter? 
But see, Gabe Kaplan is still alive. He is? He, yeah, he's like a he's a professional poker player in Las Vegas. No, he is he really? Yeah. Yeah, for like that's, for like twenty five years. He's gotta be eighty years old. Hey Phil, can you check if he's still alive? But he, that's what he did for like the last twenty five years. Who am I looking up as Gabe Kaplan? Now the lady who played his wife Marsha Strassman. She's dead. Okay. Is that her name? Yeah. What else was she in, Marsha Strassman? I don't even know. I don't remember her in much other stuff. She was cute. Uh, yeah. Gabe Kaplan's still alive. Yeah. 77 years old. And he's still playing cards in Vegas, right? He's a, he's a poker player. There you go. Professional poker nice. player. There wow. you go. Thank you. <laughs> uh, John Travolta's still alive. Ron Palillo, who played uh, Horshack. He's gone. He's dead? I'm pretty don't sure. say that. I, yeah, he died. Ugh. He died 10 years ago. He died 10 years ago? Yeah. Damn. Okay, what about uh, Robert Hedges? Was that Freddie Boom Boom Washington? No, that was Epstein. Oh, Juan Epstein. I got a letter from my mother. He also died 10 years no! ago. No! Robert Hedges is dead? He's dead? For 10 years he's been dead. Okay, how about... Um, Freddie Boom Boom. I like this game. Freddie Boom Boom Washington. I forgot, it. I forgot his name. name. He was like three names too. Lawrence one. Hills Jacobs? Lawrence yes. Hills Jacobs. Yeah. He's still alive. All right. Okay. There you go. He was in Death Wish. Yes, he was. Right? Wasn't yes. he one of the guys the who killed? Yeah, the original with Charles Bronson. Oh, spoiler. Yeah. So um, three of them are alive. Cotter, Vinnie Barbarino, and Freddie Boom Boom Washington. And what about the principal? <laughs> <laughs> I actually liked him. Is he dead? He's, He's got to be dead. He's got to be dead. <laughs> you know, you talk about principals. When I first came back to WABC, one of the more odd relationships that I took notice of was a kid named Mike Gunzelman. Guns. Yeah, mm. who uh, I like guns, you know, <laughs> but <laughs> sorry, I don't even know. What the principal from uh, Welcome Back, Cotter? Yeah, uh, he's, he died in 1988, so he's long gone. Yeah, he just he just died. Yes, All right. he just died. It's yes. a tragedy. Um, so Gunzelman, for some reason, talking about principals, was like best friends in real life. With the guy that played Mr. Belding. Oh, Mr. Belvedere. The principal yeah, on, uh, uh, no, Belding. On, um, no, Bel- not Belding. Oh, not Bel- Belvedere. Belding. You're right. Belding. Oh, sorry. What's Belding. the name of that show? with um, um, Saved by the Bell. Yes. Mario Lopez yes, and all those folks. That's right. How did that relationship happen? I it was weird. I don't know. They had him on the air once. I don't know who was doing a show. Was post-Imus or? It was pre-Imus. Because I, I got there, Imus was on the air. And Guns and Belding were buddies. Belding used to call me and Bernie. You know, it was, um, you know who else Guns was close with? Which made no sense. He's on tomorrow. Um, judge Ralph Napolitano. Some, I was going to say a judge. Yeah, how was that? I was going to make a joke. No, but it's true. Him and Napolitano oh, are buddies. Yeah, that's, he should be doing better than he is then. He's, what is he doing? <laughs> I think he's working. He got a job at Fox. No, uh, he got a job now at Outkick. The one where uh, Clay Travis... Jason Whitlock used to work Outkick.com. That's where he is now. Oh, all right. He told me at the gala. He yeah, he was... was at Fox News for a while. Whatever Callie Shimkus couldn't do, he did. But now he's at Outkick. You know, talking about Outkick and Jason Whitlock, and I, I like Jason. Now, I wasn't thrilled. He was on Megyn uh, Kelly's podcast a couple of weeks ago, and it sounded to me like he was defending Kyrie Irving, the anti-Semite from the Brooklyn Who? Nets. Who was? Jason Whitlock. Oh, okay, Jason. And right. that pissed me off. But yesterday on his podcast, which is called Fearless, he said something about women. And I'm telling you, whether you agree or disagree, only a black man in America can say it and not get into trouble, conservative or not. That's my feeling. Now you can't wait to hear this, right? Yeah, I can't. This is Jason Whitlock, number 25, 
on his podcast, Fearless, talking about women ruling the world. Don't be a fool and let your wife, girlfriend, mistress, daughter, whomever talk you into... Oh, that's just black. No, us white girls, us Asian women, us Hispanic, we got this. We're not like those black women. We would never create that kind of mess. Yes, you would. Yes, you would. And I know I'm making people uncomfortable. And I know I'm making people think I'm a sexist pig. I'm not. I just happen to believe in the Bible and common sense and the reality that men and women are different. We have different roles in this society. You turn the society over to women, it's going to look like the south side of Chicago. What? Period. End of discussion. Jason Whitlock, if you turn society over to women, it's going to look like the south side of Chicago. I don't even know what he's talking about. No, I don't know either. What, what is he talking about? South side of Chicago is a mess. It's a mess. Well, I, I, I got that point. I, I didn't understand. He's, why would he bring it up? What's he bringing it up for? I guess women are winning elections. I don't know. Um, my mother well, just texted God, me. God forbid. My mom just texted me. She you know she listens to every show. She said, great song for President Trump. Love, Mom. She's talking about uh, Welcome Back, Cotter, I well, guess. She can thank me. That's Thank you. Yeah. Naomi, thank She's going to come on now, I guess. Nobody loves Trump more than my mother. I know she loved my father, Harvey. They were married over 60 years, you know, 60. And she's still heartbroken over his death. We all are, all of us. But I'm pretty convinced that um, Trump could have had my mother if he wanted it years ago, even when Daddy was still alive, no question. Naomi, one of the best. I've always loved her. <laughs> Naomi. She's over there, right over there. Everybody, look, she's on the third row on the left. One of the greats. Oh. You know, I, I, I always wanted to go out with Naomi. You know, it was funny. She called me three times. And I don't, I, I, I don't know. Ivanka was not happy about it. But, uh, Naomi, stand up a second. Take a, turn around. That's right. She's one of the greats. She's running four companies right now. It's unbelievable. Amazing. Say amazing. That's, my, that's a great Don. Why am I playing... Other people doing Donald Trump. Yours is tremendous. I'm sitting right here. I didn't I'm know. Right here. I Sydney, didn't know. Sydney, you're one of the greats. Ah, thank you, President you are, Trump. You are. Ah, that's that's it. Thank you very I much. Do. Okay, I've got to go. I've, I've, I've <laughs> got five more people well, to go fine. see. My All mother's right. on the phone now, anyway, uh, President Trump. The great Trump, Naomi. Yeah. yeah, that's right. We got it. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, Phil. No, Phil, he, Phil is not. He's not. He's making I, plans. I, I know. <laughs> so I go to Phil. I go. Uh, my mom wants to call in quickly about Trump's speech last night. So you know. Let me give you the number, he goes. And this is terrifying. He goes, I already have her number. <laughs> Why do you have my mother's number, Bill? What? <laughs> you talk to my mother? Don't worry about what I... It was weird when you said to me, I already have her number. Even Lou was like, what? I'm a but professional. I have a, I have a phone book. He just interrupted you. Like, I've got, I got her number. Yeah, I've got her number. It was like, I, what? I, yeah, I have like, a like, phone. Calm down. I talk to her all the time. Take it easy. No, I just I have a professional phone book. <laughs> Jeez. All right. Put on. Mom? Mom, yeah, mommy. how about that last night? Sydney Ferris Rosenberg. Oh my God. Oh, I knew you'd be pumped baby. up. I knew you'd be oh, pumped up. I mean, in, oh all, in, in all seriousness, Mom, he was presidential. He was measured. 
He, you know, and you, you hear like you know, Bo Deedle, your friend, and Pete King, and they all can't stand him anymore. That's fine. But even they couldn't uh, disagree with the fact that last night he was great, wasn't he, Ma? Great. Beyond. Beyond great. Be, I mean, shocking, but wonderful. Even if he would have said some bad things, it doesn't matter to me anyhow. He my <laughs> man, honey. He my man. Wait a second. You, you don't want it to say bad th- about Ron DeSantis, though. You like Ron. You have a place in Florida. Yeah, I do. I do like yeah. Ron DeSantis. I think he did a wonderful It's did and is doing a wonderful job. But Trump last night, he came, he measured right up 100%. He was phenomenal. He looked great. What happened to his orange hair? He made it darker now. Even I, I, I didn't notice, there. Mom. I, I don't. What? Oh, I did. Well, I know you did. You have a crush on him. Oh, my. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, look at you, Naomi. He was just unbelievable. Now he has to carry it through. That's the whole thing. Now he's got to stay on point and carry this through. And if he does, Sydney, he's going to be our next president. There's no question about it. No one's going to beat him. Nobody's going to beat him. I don't care who comes on the show, talks nonsense, talks you know what. He's going to win without, without fail, without, if he stays on point. Last night, he was so presidential. He really, he took it to another level. I didn't think he was capable, but he was, and he is. You know, uh, we've talked a lot since Daddy passed away. We're going over two years. And most of the time when we talk, on this show, of course, people love you, Mom. They do. They love you. You become like a cult hero. And, uh, you, you know, of course, you describe your own listeners here. But most of the time, there's, you know, a little melancholy. I understand. So am I since Daddy died. And even when you're railing about something, I can sense a little bit of sorrow. This is the first time since before Daddy passed away that you got on the show and it was complete excitement. You were just enthusiastic, exuberant, pumped up, if, if you want to use that term. Is that fair to say that this is the, maybe this morning was the first time in years because of Trump that you felt this good? No, I felt this good because I know how your dad felt about Trump. He loved him. He, I mean, I couldn't say one thing that was not 100% in favor of him. And that brought me to this level now. He wants Trump to win. He, Wherever he is, whatever you want to believe, I don't know. From day to day, I vacillate. One day I do, one day I don't. I don't know what to believe, Sydney. I'm not a scientist and I'm not a, a biblical person, but all I know is that Daddy loved him. He would want him to win. And in the back of my mind, I guess that's what plays a big part. When did, you, I was just... when did you learn how to text so well? Because you very rarely text me. In fact, I don't think you've ever texted me once. Daddy did all the time. I don't believe you ever texted me once during my shows. And you texted me moments ago because you liked the Welcome Back Cotter song. Oh, I loved it. It was so <laughs> appropriate. I loved it. Listen, I'm not savvy. I'll never be. This is who, where I am. This is who I am. And I like who I am. You know, Sydney, you have to like yourself before you can really like somebody else or anybody else. I like who I am. When I wake up in the morning, I look in the mirror. I like who I am. May not be 100% to everybody else, but I don't really care. You know, I'm, you're my son. I'm your mother. I don't really care, Sydney Ferris Rosenberg. <laughs> I, I like who I am. As you Bottom should. Bottom line. As you should. You're and, a great lady. As and, you should. And, and that's really where it's at. But I think Daddy helped me along because he loved Donald J. Trump. He really did. He would want him to win. 
So on that note, when I was listening to him last night, I thought about your dad. I thought about daddy because he loved him. He really did. He could never say one wrong word about him. And that's what gets me through it, you know. Some days are better than others, as with you. And uh, I'm trying to make the best of the worst situation. But that's where it's at. All right. All right. What are, you, what are you doing for Thanksgiving next week now? What's going to be your plan? What are you going to do? You know what? The, Danielle said you can come to Warhouse. It. You know, Tamara is making it, and they all want me to come. But you know what, Sydney? I, I can't. I, I'm, I, you know, I, I just want to be home. Okay. I want to stay home. I want to mm. be by myself. You and Sean Hannity. And you and uh, Sean Hannity and Tucker Carlson and uh, all your friends. Yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you got it. You got it, well, Toyota. I know. All your Fox you News friends. It. And your granddaughter's yeah. coming home soon. Ava's coming home soon. I know. I'm so excited. How's she doing? You know, I did call her. I did speak to you her. You know, Ma, but... she's doing great. Her grades are exceptional. They're not good. But teachers actually uh, in class uh, tell her and outside of class how great she's doing. So... She's acclimating well. She's still homesick, Mrs. Me and Danielle and Gabriel, and, and will occasionally, every couple of days, say that even. I, I'm, I miss being home, and I miss you guys. But being that she's in a completely different country and under a lot of stress with a very difficult education, taking law right away year one in college, uh, she's right. doing great. You, you should be very proud of your granddaughter. I am very proud I of her. I am very proud yeah. of her. She's delicious, and I am very proud of her. I just want her to be safe and uh and that's the bottom line. Just got to take care of her, and she should be safe. And on that note, Sydney Ferris, you're going to be home for Thanksgiving. Danielle making dinner in your new home. That's a nice thing. I huh? think so. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think uh, we've got an event uh, the day after, and we've got an event that Saturday in my neighborhood. So we'll be home. Uh, the, the invite is still there. But if not, we love you, and we'll talk to you uh, the next couple of days, I'm sure. Thank you for hopping on this morning, Mom, as always. And I'm happy you're happy, and I feel the same way. Let's go Trump 2024. Let's go Trump. Daddy would want to hear that, Sidney Ferris. Let's go Trump. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. I God love watch you. you. Be safe. You love too. and kisses to my Danielle Gabriel and whomever. Yeah, thank Take you. Care. Take care. Take care. God love you. I love you, too. Now. God loves you, too. Um, so what I'm going to do now is, I think, is I'm going to set up an, a uh, conversation. This is going to be great. With my mother and Bo Deedle. Or my mother wow. and oh, Peter wow. King. <laughs> Any one of these guys. That is a great idea. That's like right? throwing a stick of dynamite in an elevator. Get my mother just... back on the phone quick. Hurry up, Phil. Get her back on the uh, phone quick. Na- actually? Call her back. I, what a, uh, okay. You have her number. You have a yeah. I, Oh, yeah, I do. By the way, her. you were talking about the text. Phil's, <laughs> Phil's got a whole phone full of texts from her. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Is what that, no, is that really true? <laughs> no. no. Well, get her back on the phone. I, w- I want to put her on the phone with Bo Deedle because I can't convince Bo or Peter King of these people. That uh, Donald Trump's the right choice, but I think Naomi can. I think I think your mother might be the only person that could instill fear in Bo Deedle. I agree with you. All right, coming up next, it's one of the great events we have in New York every year, and it's for a tremendous cause. Anytime I see a little kid get sick, it breaks my heart. It really does. And Teddy Atlas, the Hall of Fame boxing trainer, does this event every year on Staten Island. It's at the Staten Island University Hilton, and it's the most amazing event. His dais is filled with about 30 big-time celebrities every year. And uh, I'm honored that he has me come every year as well. In fact, just a couple of years ago, we won the Jack Newfield Award for Journalistic Integrity, which was a big deal. It's just a great night, and it's coming up tomorrow night. 
That's right. It's always a week before Thanksgiving. So the great trainer, Teddy Atlas, is set to join us next, right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Trump 2024. Welcome back. Your dreams were your ticket out. Welcome back to that same old place that you laughed about. Bernard McGurk. Unacceptable is throwing your beer can on the subway tracks. <laughs> Sid Rosenberg. I don't believe it's a three-man race. Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You must be out of your goddamn mind. Joe Lewis, the greatest boxer ever lived. I'll be with you boys in a minute. He was bad in Captain Clay. He bad in Sugar Ray. He bad in that. Who that? You, the new boy. Mike, Mike, Mike Tyson. Look like a bulldog. He bad in him, too. He done whipped Mike Tyson there. He whipped all their asses. What about Rocky Marciano? Oh, there they go. There they go. Every time I start talking about boxing, a white man got to pull Rocky Marciano out their ass. That's the one. That's the one. Rocky Marciano. Rocky Marciano. Let me tell you something wonderful. Rocky Marciano was good. But compared to Joe Lewis, Rocky Marciano ain't He bit Joe Lewis's ass. That's right. He did whoop Joe Lewis's ass. Joe Lewis was 75 years old when he fought. I don't know how old he was, but he got an ass whooped. Joe Lewis had come out of retirement to fight Rocky Marciano. The man was 76 years old. Joe Lewis always lied about his age. He lied about his age all the time. One time, Frank Sinatra comes out here and sat down in this chair. And I said, Frank, you hang out with Joe Lewis. Just between me and you, how old is Joe Lewis? You know what Frank told me? He said, hey, Joe Lewis, 137 years old. 137 years old. Oh, man, you ain't never meet no Frank Sinatra. you. you and you. Oh, that is a <laughs> great scene coming to America. Eddie Murphy, every time a white man, Rocky Marciano, and I had the tiger, of course. Well, I'll say it again. The event of the year, all these uh, big charity events that I go to, belongs to Teddy Atlas. Every Thursday before Thanksgiving at the Staten Island University Hilton, Teddy puts on a show of all shows, has this large, and I mean large, dais filled with big-time celebrities, boxing greats like Evander Holyfield and others, Bill Sims, Christopher Mad Dog Russo, actors, guys from the late, great Tony Sirico, and, of course, the best guest of all, me. And uh, we're doing it again tomorrow night. I don't know how many years Teddy has done this. I think I've gone to, like, seven of them now. One year I sat next to Chris Note. That was actually kind of cool from uh, Law and Order. But um, he raises money for uh, sick kids. And uh, I'm sorry, but it doesn't get better than that. He's a great New Yorker. He's a great American. Everybody loves Teddy Atlas. And uh, here he is back on my show. Teddy, good morning. How are you, buddy? Good morning, Sid. You know, that was true. Uh, Joe Luz was shot. Joe Louis should never have been in the ring with Rocky Marciano at, at that moment, to be honest. But, um, you know, no different than the way that a lot of the old fighters, unfortunately, and a lot of the old ball players too. I remember seeing Willie Mays at the end with the Mets. Oh, was sad. that was sad. Yeah, yeah. It, it was. Yeah. It was pretty sad. Uh, how about watching? And, uh, how about watching Teddy Muhammad Ali fight Leon Spinks? I mean, how, how sad was well, that? No, he. Yeah, then he came back and beat him. Ali was so special. But no, against Holmes was the one with Ali. Yeah, yeah. Against Larry Holmes. I yeah. mean, that was. You know, that was. That should never have happened. I mean, that was. 
tragic, really, to be honest. I mean, who knows how much damage he took. He, he was in a lot of difficult fights, yeah. but that fight, really, he never should have been in the ring. Um, but anyway, you're also right about you're the best guest there tomorrow <laughs> night. Thank you. <laughs> you're funny. You are funny. I'm really Thank not. You you've got you've got a, you've got a great collection of superstars, but it's not about us. It's not about the the uh, guys on the dais. It's not even about the guests. It's about you, your father, who you uh, who inspired this foundation, the Theodore Atlas Foundation, and just to be very specific, Teddy. The money that you raise, which goes to a tremendous cause for our listeners out there right now, goes exactly to what? Well, we have a lot of things that goes to. If we have a full pantry. Number one, we've been. We also specifically have been feeding senior citizens since COVID hit. Some of them are still afraid to get out. To quite frankly, in the projects, where unfortunately some of them get trapped, uh, get forgotten a little bit. They don't have family, and um, we not only have a full pantry, but that specific area of it. We have people, volunteers, that go and feed them once a week. They actually bring the food to them. So, uh, And that's that's 400 senior citizens that we take care of just once a week. But there's you know there's 700 families uh, that are fed from what we can estimate from our food pantry every week. But that's only a small part of it. We we kind of do anything that where people fall through the cracks. We'll we'll buy a wheelchair for a family member where the insurance doesn't pay for the wheelchair or the wheelchair ramp. A lot of people don't realize that's not paid for by the. Can't believe it. It's not put down as a medical cost, so they don't pay for. It. We'll put up the handicap ramps for an invalid child with a family that can't get it. We'll put up a. We'll go and have a construction crew go in and put a handicap bathroom in for an invalid child that's living maybe with a single mom, a single mom who might have three or four kids and one of them got sick. It happens. We, I'm thinking of one right now as I actually give you the story and was out of work for a little while. So it's a situation they didn't put themselves in and all of a sudden they fall behind. Next thing you know, she's being put into a city shelter uh, with four children. And look, we speak the truth here. You know, that's another thing I want to say. I'm sorry for your loss and all of our losses with the passing of Bernie. Right. Because that's what you guys did. No, seriously, you you spoke the truth. And most people liked it. Some didn't like it, but it was the truth. And that's all that was important. And uh, the city shelters, the truth is that they're dangerous. They're not not a good place. And, um, you know, unfortunately. So we have a single mom with the kids about to be put in there because she was out of work for a while because one of the kids was sick. So we'll step in, we'll pay for the rent. And again, we're, we're not the greatest. We're, we, we, we're not God. We're, we do our little bit. We're no better, no worse than any other charity out there. But what we'll do is we're the bridge that it gets you over that, that difficult uh, spot. I think you're being you humble. Know? I think you are a great charity. And, and you know, I know that you do something very similar to Make-A-Wish. Maybe it is even Make-A-Wish. I don't remember exactly. But, you know, I, I sit there and I watch these videos that uh, you usually play before you actually start the event. You actually speak. And, you know, whether it's a little kid having a chance to meet Michael Moore or Mike Tyson, I don't know who it is. But the point is all those great Make-A-Wish Foundation deals where little kids get to meet their heroes and the athletes and all that. You do a lot of that with uh, your charity, too. Isn't that right, Teddy? Yeah, we again, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes to take care of this situation that, that is brought to us. You know, we, we flew these little kids with cystic fibrosis. Uh, fibrosis. Uh, I remember some years ago down, I believe it was in Tampa, but down in Florida where they swim with the dolphins. 
Um, and by the way, uh, my, my my colleague, uh, my competition actually, Boomer Esiason, his son Gunner has cystic fibrosis, and Boomer raises a ton of money every year for uh, that. He does a tremendous, yeah, he a does tremendous job. Yeah. and and um, one of you know his partner that does a great job on the NFL shows. Uh, Phil Sims, he's going to be there, you know. And, yes. And Boomer's been saying he's going to come for years, and he never comes. Years, yeah. yeah, but one of these years, <laughs> you know, we got listen, we got Tracy Morgan, we got Harry Carson, we got you, we we got Max Kellerman, Stephen A. Smith, we got Marv Albert, maybe the greatest. I want to ask you seriously. I think he might be the greatest. No, I'm going to say he's the greatest basketball. Announcer of all time. Well, I mean, listen, you have to understand, I'm very, 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 very close with Mike Breen, the current NBA Finals well, announcer, New York Knick announcer, still, and they're yeah, both in the still, Hall of Fame. He's still the, he's developing, he's still, you know, a baby compared to Marv. No, listen, Marv, Marv, Marv is my hero. When I grew up as a kid, whether it was the Rangers, the Knicks, he did football too, but he did everything. Marv Albert was my hero. Now, I've never seen Marv there. Is that the first time he's coming tomorrow? Yeah, this will be the first time he's coming. Wow. We're, you know, we're... We're very happy to have him. Hey, we're blessed to have everybody that we have to come out and help us do this. Um, as far as, you know, getting an idea of what else the, the charity does. You have a sick child that the program for them might not be the one that's around in the New York area. As great as New York is, people say, oh, you know, they got the best, you know, medical care in the world. Yeah, they do. But sometimes there might be a better program for a kid outside of New York. We'll fly him out. We'll fly him out. We'll put their mother and father up, mm. you know, in a hotel awesome. uh, for a week or whatever it is until they see if they're eligible for that program. So we'll take care of that. And we even pay for small surgeries sometimes. You know, like it might be a – this is something that a lot of people aren't aware of. Some doctors just don't take insurance. So if it's a very specified, you know, surgery yeah. um, where – a certain doctor has to take care of it. They, they, again, they only take cash. I guess is the best way to say it. they don't. They don't take insurance. So sometimes we'll step in. We'll pay for it. Um, again, we're not like we're not the bunch of dimes. We're not muscular dystrophy. We're we're not the monsters. But we're big enough to yep. be able to make sure that certain people don't fall through the cracks. Uh, and we we try. To keep the spirit of my father alive. My right, which we do. He was a general practice. He did house calls till he was 80 years old for free. Yeah. For the people in the projects because they, he knew they couldn't afford to get out. They couldn't afford to even, you know, get to a doctor. Um, back in those days, you wound up in a clinic. And the clinic might, eh, might have been okay. But if you didn't, and I'm going way back, but there were no HMOs. There was nothing called Obamacare. There was nothing. He either had a doctor like this or he wound you know, you wound up in a clinic. Yeah. And a lot of the people, they again, they couldn't even get out to an emergency room. So he would go and he'd do the house calls. He actually found the two hospitals on Staten Island. The first one, 21 beds in it. He built it. And for one reason, so that he saw that a lot of people weren't getting proper, you know, weren't able to get proper hospital care. So his pop, his hospital could take care of that, and he would absorb the cost. I just thought a guy that lived that kind of life, and he practiced for 55 years. You know what? I thought it should be remembered. Of course. I thought the best way to remember it was yep. to do stuff like this and to have good people like you help us do it. Ah, uh, listen, that's, I'm, that's very humbling for me, but your father was a great man, and you are a great, 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 great man, not only a great boxing trainer, but more importantly, just a really one of the best human beings. I mean this, Teddy, one of the best human beings I've ever met. 
So, uh, really, I'm honored that you invite me every year. I really am. I joke around about uh, me coming. But the truth is, I'm honored you invite me. Uh, I'm glad to be a part of the event. It's always great. You do great work on Staten Island across this country. You're a great American, and I love you. Can't wait to see you tomorrow night. Thank you so much. I love you, too, Sid, and thank you for everything you do. Thank you. There he is, folks, the great boxing trainer, Teddy Atlas. And what an amazing job he does helping out folks, little kids, all over the city, all over the state, really all over the country, year in and year out. The Theodore Atlas Foundation, inspired by his father, another great man, God rest his soul. We'll come back and continue this Hump Day Wednesday, Monday, uh, Wednesday program, I should say. Bernard McGurk. Bernard has been a friend of mine for so long. And Sid, you too. Sid Rosenberg. Not good, great. Bernie and Sid in the morning. I love you guys. I listen to you every morning and walk around the house laughing my butt off. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Now we have a president who falls asleep at global conferences. (laughs) Was held in contempt by the British Parliament over Afghanistan. Thanks to the words of wisdom, he said thank you to the wrong country for inviting him to a major summit on the environment, of all things. They fly for days to get there, and then he calls the country a name that was actually a country on another continent. Come on. And he's leading us to the brink of nuclear war, a concept unimaginable just two short years ago. You cannot mention the nuclear word. It's too devastating. The Green New Deal and the environment, which they say may affect us in 300 years, is all that is talked about. And yet nuclear weapons, which would destroy the world immediately, are never even discussed as a major threat. Can you imagine? This is one of the best concerts I ever saw. I went to see Hall & Oates. And again, I say this all the time. It's old, but it's true. No one's ever seen John Oates and Gary Delabate in the same room at the same time. But I saw them at the Hard Rock Live at the beautiful Hard Rock and Hotel in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, when I was friends with Jim Allen and doing my shows from there, by the way, weekly. And Danielle and I went to see Hall and & Oates, and it was, it was a great concert. I mean, great. Uh, Love those two guys. You like those guys? I mean, I know you played the song, Lou, so you must like them. Yep, I do. They're great. Yep. Daryl Hall is a, a brilliant rock and roll guy. You I know, there's a, guy, there's a guy in Miami who I got to be friendly with uh, on radio, and he was working at uh, one of the local rock and roll stations. It may have been She, you know, She's Rock and Roll. I, I don't know. It's a, it's a pretty famous station down there. And his name is Doc Reno. So... In the mornings when me and Freddie drive in, I, we used to listen to um, 92.3, the alternative rock, and Frank Morano go back and forth, you know. And then the, uh, Chris Olivero, who's in charge at uh, CBS, at, uh, not, it's, it's not CBS anymore, it's um, Odyssey or some stupid thing, I don't know. So he decided to take 1010 wins and put it on an FM station, which, I don't know, Chris is a lot smarter than me, but... Doesn't seem to make any sense. You're taking off a music station for having news talk on FM. I, I don't know. 
Yeah, why do you? No, I don't know. Doesn't seem necessary. He's got all kinds of analytics because I had this. You know, uh, I talk to Chris all the time. We're very close. And Craig Harden. Long story short, he takes it off. So now, Freddie goes back and forth between Murano and and um, Q one hundred four point three, the uh, classic rock station, which you were making fun of yesterday because you don't like Scott Muni. <laughs> Scott Muni's been gone a long. I don't fine. Make fun of He'll him. never die. He'll never die. He's no. like Bernie. He'll never die. Thanks so, a lot, Sydney. <laughs> so. The uh, DJ this morning, and he's a DJ. Folks, I'm not a DJ. I can't tell you how many times I've been with somebody, and they go, oh, he's that famous DJ. I'm not a DJ, stupid. I'm not a disc jockey. I don't, I don't spin records. of it. We play music on this show, but I'm a talk show host. Doc Reno is a DJ, and I heard him doing Q104.3 this morning. Does he, does, does, you know if he does that from Miami? Did he move here? Or? I, I don't, don't know. even I know, know the guy. I don't even know. You don't know who Doc Reno is? No. Never no. heard of him. I, I always felt like you were like friendly with all the DJs. Well, it depends on who it is. Well, you know, when I used to work, when I first got my first job in New York, ironically talking about Scott Muni, my first morning job was the year 2000 at 102.7 WNEW. They had just become, years earlier, a talk station. And they had the number one show in New York outdoing Howard Stern at the time, Opie and Anthony. And they had Leslie Gold, the radio chick, and Don and Mike and Ron and Fez. And they hired me and Scott, and eventually me and Craig Carton, to do mornings. But it was the old WNEW, same rock station. So at night, the overnights, they left the rock and roll. So the overnight guys were Harris Allen. Right. He went on to do updates at WFAN. Right. I liked Harris. He so was did a I. very good person. He, oh, 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 crazy liberal. He was crazy, and he fought with uh, guys with me. during the overnight. We stopped oh, talking. Yeah, yeah, we stopped talking. Yeah, he was uh, very persistent. Oof. He was crazy, but I got along. He was, it was fine. Yeah. The other guy that I still talk to and I love, he's a big giant fan, Eddie Trunk. You know Eddie? I barely know Eddie Trunk. Uh, he is a know. great rock and roll guy. And right. uh, Eddie Trunk was, uh, and still is, very close with Mike Piazza. So when Piazza was like on the Mets, I think he would actually go up there and like and hang out with him and go on the air. And because Piazza loved that group, um, Cinderella. Oh my God! I swear to God, they're like with like a metal band or yeah, something. They're some soft metal band. Yeah, Piazza yeah, loves fine. he loves metal rock. I know he was on the station a lot, and he was friends with Eddie Trunk. Yeah, yes. and it was always the metal shows and Cinderella. Yes. That, that, the, yeah. a, a guy who came out of there was Dennis Elsis. Oh really? Yeah, from NEW. Now, where did he come out? Where did he end up, though, I'm saying? I know, he's, Dennis. He's at my college station. He's at WFUV. Uh, at Fordham? Yeah. And oh, my plus God. He, and plus he does serious shows, too. On the, serious. I know. Okay, so that's different. So okay, do, all right. 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 Uh, yeah, well, he was hired. But, and, you know, he's good friends at Chernoff, too. I know that. They're all good friends. And Dennis, one well, of the Chernoff was guys. friends with that guy at NEW who turned out to, like, like allegedly little children. And uh, that was a really ugly story. Was that Dave Herman? <laughs> yeah, yes. Dave Herman. Oh, in fact, last night, on the way back to the city with Freddie to speak at the Republican Club, he put uh, uh, K-Rock on, and Kenny Dashow was on the air. I love Kenny Dashow. A nice guy. Great guy. And and I met Ken Dashow a bunch of times over the years because of Mark Chernoff. Right. Mark was very close with a lot of... uh, The rock and roll guys, yeah. yeah. He was like a groupie, I guess, Journey. Yeah. Did he even like that music? Yeah, because uh, remember the you know the band the Smithereens. Sure, he's he takes cla- he he claims he takes credit for putting them on the air in New York first. And no he, kidding. And he, yeah, and he knew the singer. Pat well, that must have been K Rock, who, who's now passed away. Who right. Passed away a few. Yeah, I actually said K Rock. It was Q one hundred four this oh, morning, Q, but okay. but that must have been K Rock because people forget Chernoff 
worked there with Howard Stern. Right. Didn't he? Or was it NBC? Well, he NBC. Knew, he knew Howard. I don't know, but he did. He did try the famous thing. He did try to help with David Lee Roth that yeah. experiment. No, he that was his choice. Didn't he pick David Lee Roth, Tony? I, I don't know if he picked him. No, I don't think Mark because he hated decision. him. Well, he would come back to our station in the morning. You know, he would. He was so crazy. He would go over there to. Try to fix it, then come over right. to FAN. Yeah, you go crazy. And I'm like, Mark, how's it going? And he's like, he, he's so, he's an idiot. <laughs> he's such an idiot. He doesn't listen. Uh, Nothing. I hope it fails. It's I'll never forget terrible. that first show. And and we were all looking forward to this rock and roll star, Mr. You know, what, what was that song? That, the Gigolo. You know, I'm just a gigolo. <laughs> David Lee Raw, this great, great singer, Van Halen. And the first show he brings on, God bless him, his 95-year-old uncle. <laughs> 95, and they spoke for like an hour and a half, and people were going, what? This is what you replaced Howard Stern with? David Lee Roth and his 95-year-old uncle? The same David Lee Roth that's half naked on stage talking about being a gigolo? That's this guy? Don't blame me. <laughs> I tried. He's stupid. He doesn't listen. <laughs> we'll come back and wrap it up right into this. <laughs> Sit in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right, all right, all right, all right. Show's over, folks. That's it. Sorry, only four hours a day. I would stay for longer. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I'm tired. <of> <laughs> that you on. just said to me before. How much more can I do? Oh, Come me, on, you how much it? more? Come my on. God! Every day a great job. Every day. I gotta go to this dinner. I gotta come in. I still come in and I do this. And then I gotta go to this. Speech. Today I got nothing actually. Today I'm just doing the sports podcast, okay. and I get to go home. Can we go hang out. Let's go. Tomorrow though, I got a long day. I got we got the turkey. We got the uh, Teddy Atlas event. I've got a party Friday. I've got a party Saturday. I've got a lot going on. But, hey, listen, today was great. I do want to thank all of our guests. They were all terrific. And, uh, Lewis, you were great. Your Donald Trump impersonation with my mother was brilliant. Not good, brilliant. So thank you for that. Well, Naomi's one of the best. She is. <laughs> I look forward to her commentary on a daily basis. I really love her. Oh, that's really great. love her. That is great. Macedonia, Phil, you were great today. Phil, I don't like too much. I don't know. <laughs> I, my question is motives. Thank you, uh, former President Donald yeah, Trump. Yeah. So Justin Ellick. Not for long. Not the next president, exactly. Ellick was great today, too. Deb Valentine is always tremendous. Frankie Diaz, Noam, the whole crew. We'll all be back again tomorrow for a Bill O'Reilly Thursday at 6 a.m. Enjoy your Wednesday, folks. From all of us to all of you until tomorrow, good night, Bernard. If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at Info at GoboLaw.com. Gobble Law, where winning is no accident.